The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. It does draw a card, though. It does cantrip, which is really nice. It the is. cantrip's next turn. <laughs> oh, no. I gave them a land. Take 20. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yep. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Plain Suckers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Well enough. I got uh, two days off this week, so I'm feeling refreshed. What are the days you get off? I had Sunday off. Oh, good for you. Yeah. We've got a couple guys off this week, so like I took an extra day off so that I could, uh, in case I had to like help carry some of mm-hmm. the load. So got two days off this week. Uh, Sunday... Played a bunch of Satisfactory, and then... Is that why you didn't respond to any of my texts all day? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and then I started... I, I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, well, either Matt's busy or dead. I was not dead. I was very busy. I was neck deep in Satisfactory, and then I started watching people who were actually good at Satisfactory, and got very excited and very sad. Yep. I'm like, oh, <laughs> crap, do I suck at this game? I think the first thing you said to me on Monday was, Jake... We're really bad at Satisfactory. Because <laughs> yeah. you're like, so the bases we have built, you're producing like 3,000 megawatt hours or megawatts of energy. Yeah. I'm producing like 1,800 megawatts of energy. And the the guy you're watching on YouTube is producing like 200,000 megawatts. When, when his entire nuclear plant plants, his whole nuclear system went down, he was down to a hundred and something thousand. <laughs> Basically, he has a whole power plant yeah. set up that is there to effectively prime the pump for his nuclear plants. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he when, once he gets that going, he's up to like 400,000 megawatts. Like <laughs> so funny. He had I was just I watched a bunch of his videos and he accidentally like nuked his own base basically. He had 750,000 barrels of nuclear waste mm-hmm. and they're radioactive, so he's like he has to wear a hazmat suit the whole time he's anywhere in his base because like the all the nuclear material goes like throughout his old base and stuff and he it was just this whole ordeal so watched him fix that actually started watching him play cities uh skylines as well i don't know if you've ever heard, I of, that heard game. of that it's a uh, city planning game yeah and it's a it's a lot more in depth than like the old school sim city games i played it a while back I never went nearly as in depth as this guy. It's got uh-huh. plenty of that. Might it might actually be the game I pick up next. We were just talking about whether or not I want to like fully commit to Satisfactory and do like these huge projects because it was basically supposed to just be a break from eleven from the grind. And I'm at the point where now I need to grind in Satisfactory. So, yep. <laughs> but I might actually go back to City Skylines. I I hit that hard for a couple weeks. I got like forty or fifty hours in, and I think something like that. So it's a very fun game. But when I got it when it first came out and I basically burned through all the content Mm -hmm. and then there's like a bunch of DLCs now with additional stuff like you can like customize your own airports. So I might do that. I've seen the game played and it's more complicated than I think I want to play. It's one of those things where it's complicated, but it does a very good job of like holding your hand through the process and like teaching you how to play. Mm -hmm. So there, you're going to mess up plenty of stuff. And one of the biggest things that including I'm including myself in this, that everyone struggles with is traffic because mm-hmm. like the impulse is to, you want to like build big projects. Well, people move in and start working on that and the traffic just grinds everything to a halt. So like you can, I mean, you can quite literally 
stop your whole system because of the way the AI works in the traffic, or especially with trains where they just won't go anywhere because they're blocking each other. And like, you can mess the whole thing up by trying to grow too big, too fast. So there's, there's a lot to it, but it's, it's actually really fun and engaging. And it's, it's like SimCity, but it's also kind of not like you get to micromanage like some of the business and economic mm-hmm. side of it. So like you kind of have to like work with the resources on the map and develop an industry based on the resources you have access to, but then you manage the logistics side of things. So like you're setting up warehouses and mm-hmm. like where your commercial zones are. So the, the, the raw resources get turned into like secondary goods and more produced goods, goods down the line into like more advanced products and stuff like that. So this is really, it's a fun game. If you like those kind of games, yep. it's a very good game. Obviously, if it's not your cup of tea, you're not going to enjoy it. No, if people like those games and I don't, they're wrong. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong for enjoying things I don't enjoy. I was actually thinking you should try Factorio just to see the 2D side of things. I should. I've seen it played. I've seen um, a lot of Factorio on like YouTube and whatnot. It looks interesting. Yeah. And it, it does cool. have like, uh, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but it does have the the aspect of like pollution in it, which I think puts yep. a little tweak on things where like. Uh, if you haven't played it uh, in Factorio, you, as you build your factory, you generate more and more pollution, and that causes monsters to not only spawn but attack your base. Yeah. So you had to build like base defenses as well. Well, can you you can look at the map and you can see where like the colonies are. So yeah. you can like watch your pollution growing. And you can be like, okay, well, if I take the next step in production, I'm definitely gonna piss those guys off. Yep. So you build like turrets and all kinds of stuff. There was a video I was watching where a guy had funneled like he used walls to funnel all the enemies into a particular thing. But that that path had his train tracks, <laughs> so, so the train would come through. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a way to that's a way to avoid having to make bullets. Yep. So they just all get forced onto these train tracks and then squished by the trains. That's so amazing use yeah. of game mechanics. Yeah. So Factorio is really fun. Or and I have I haven't decided this. We were talking about this. I might I might be ready to hop back into eleven mm-hmm. and pick up resume the grind, so to speak. There was an update this past week where they increased master levels again and like the monthly stuff where like boss fights change and stuff like that. So but yeah, today I didn't do anything. Good. Sat around and watched uh watch TV. Those are those are good. Those are good sometimes. Yeah. Every I haven't had a day like that since I started playing Satisfactory. Yeah. I've just been every minute I can get away, I've been on that game. So that's what I've been doing. How about you, Jake? So over the weekend. My wife and I celebrate Thanksgiving, or Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day. It's a very late Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's a very late Thanksgiving. <laughs> Since Valentine's Day fell on a Monday, we decided to celebrate the weekend after. So uh, Saturday, I went and worked because we had to make up some days because we ended up having another snowstorm blow in and yep. lock our trucks down. But Sunday, we went and saw Jackass Forever, which if you haven't seen it, um, it is a Jackass movie. But it, like, it's exactly Jackass again. And that's what's, that's what's great about it. So like... I didn't see like one and two. I have seen tons of Jackass stunts. I grew up in that era. Yeah. But I never watched the movies. They were a little too like real for me. Like like seeing people really get hurt and really like breaking their arms and getting thrown through windows and stuff. That was too much for me. But I, that was like that was the world I grew up in. So everyone did Jackass and watched Jackass. So they remade it. These guys are like 50. No. It's so crazy watching Steve-O and uh, Johnny Knoxville doing stunts again. But it was it was pretty cool. But it's very much jackass. Like it's it's just jackass again. They got a bunch of new people in that I didn't recognize. And like Johnny Knoxville and Steve O definitely did some pretty crazy stunts, but the other people did most of them. That's kind of smart. They kind of passed the torch. I mean, like I mean, yeah. they did some real stuff. They really did some real stuff, but they passed a lot of the torch over to some of the other people. I forget which movie it was in, but it 
I saw this stunt and I was like, I never want to get in a fight with Johnny Knoxville. So what he does, it was him and I think Bam Margera. They were in a like a ballistics room and they had like claymores, but they were plastic instead of metal uh, BBs in them. And they set those off at him. Like anti-personnel mines, non-lethal, less lethal anti-personnel yeah. mines. And Johnny Knoxville, like Bam dropped. He went, <laughs> like he just stood there and he's covered in welts yeah. and bruises. And I'm like, he probably doesn't have any feeling left. I'm he- just like, I would never want to fight yep. a guy who takes a, a mine to the chest. So there's some stuff on TikTok and whatever. I mean, it's, it's crazy watching the movie. How many times that they, you would be like behind the scenes of a different stunt and they do a funny thing and you'd see that and yep. you never see the stunt. There's tons of stunts that clearly never made it. But one of them I saw on TikTok was they had an anti-riot mine and they went into a shooting range and it's a it's a it's a claymore rubber bullets. And they, yeah, they just stood them all at the back wall. And just, yeah, that's 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 what I'm. It was that same thing. Oh, it, I, it was I, I thought it was an more, old one you're talking about. It was, but they probably brought more people into it. Yeah, it, they, they, probably, they did it again. Yeah, so they're just, just. That's how you pass the torch. And <laughs> you're like, hey guys, I've taken the anti riot oh, mine. Now it's your turn. <laughs> that one didn't make it into the movie. wasn't wasn't painful enough, but it's awesome. I mean, it's it's for a jackass movie. It's awesome. It's like I said, I was worried they were gonna make like. Jackass 2022. Yeah. And that someone was like, someone was going to change it, get it, make it different, put like some story into it or whatever. And it's like, no, it's just a bunch of clips, a bunch of idiots jumping into cactuses. <laughs> no spoilers, but does Johnny dress up as the old guy again? Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. Okay. Absolutely. It does. I, I figured he did, but I wanted to make they sure. They a pretty good prank. Those with him. are my, f- that skit is probably my favorite skit that they yep. do. They do pretty good. They have a couple of those moments where it's like stunt, stunt. That dude's out cold. <laughs> Just going and going. <laughs> knocked out. <laughs> oh, and after, that, after that, we went and had a nice steak dinner. And then that night That's I came home. That's a very home. romantic movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Sarah. Sarah grew up watching them. And yeah. so Sarah loved them. That's why when it came up, I was like, oh, my gosh, Jackass Forever's out. She's like, oh, we have to go see it. She was super excited to see it. So yeah. I, was, I was fine going watching. It was plenty funny. But she was really excited. So it wasn't a romantic movie. But it was something yeah. she really wanted to see. And then that night... Um, we were kind of chilling on the couch, relaxing. I decided to pick up a new modern deck because I'd been like thinking for a while about like I kind of want to play Storm in some capacity. Storm's just one of those decks that like a Storm deck is just so different than any other deck. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Doomsday. Doomsday yep. doesn't play like anything else. Storm, Storm doesn't play like anything else. I didn't really want to play Legacy Storm because it seems really hard and it's expensive. Like I'm really disinclined from learning to play a deck that I know I'll never be able to own or play. Yeah, it's like I'm never going to own four LEDs. Within reason, yeah. I don't really want to play Legacy Storm. Almost a thousand bucks a piece or whatever they yeah. are. And like, I just how hard it is to go play Legacy. I'm never going to buy those cards. But I remember Bryant Cook, who the Storm guy, had put up a bunch of videos a while ago about Modern Storm called Twiddle Storm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that deck looks kind of fun. So I watched him play a couple games, rented it on Mano Traders because it's like a hundred and forty bucks online. Yep, because it doesn't use any MH2 cards. It doesn't use any because it's and that's the whole meta. That's amazing. Yeah. And I played like four matches or whatever, and it's some of the most fun I've had playing in a long time. It is so fun to cast Ideas Unbound, to cast the same Ideas Unbound. Is that what it is? That's the blue, blue. That I You look it up to, to double check me, but I think it's what it is. But it's, it's the Kamigawa card where it's, it's an arcane, blue, blue, draw three cards. At the end of the turn, discard three cards. Anyway, to cast the same one three or four times with Underworld Breach is just... Yeah, that's the card we were talking about last week. Peak magic, man. It is so much fun. Uh, the deck is just so explosive and it just, I was talking to Matt about it over the phone where like, it's so fun to go from, I don't do anything in the game mostly until I have five life yep. 
And then I win. Yep. Just hit your land drops. Yep. Yep. Hit land drops. Try drop. to sculpt a good hand. Get the Lotus Field out because it's all around. Uh, it's called Twiddle Storm because it's all around Lotus Field, which taps for three mana of any color. Yep. And Twiddle Effects, ways to pay one mana, untap it, and you know net mana that way. And using uh, Splice on Arcane with Psychic Puppetry. Yep. To do all kinds of things where you're like digging through your deck or drawing a card and just constantly untapping it. Eventually, you go for a underworld breach so you can start casting things from the graveyard or maybe a past in flames but set recurring and the finisher is almost always grape shot gotcha uh there is a i can't remember what it's called there's a sideboard finisher it's a three mana enchantment and it uh when it comes into play your opponent gains 10 life it's two and a red they gain 10 life and then every time you cast i think it's an instant or sorcery you put a essentially a charge counter on it Mm -hmm. and then your opponent loses that much life so it gotcha. does one damage, then two damage, then three damage, then four damage, and five damage. And so that's the like the like less stormy, but still strong them out. Yeah. Because now, now now each individual spell is doing five damage, then six damage. Obviously, you can you can kill someone pretty freaking quick when you oh, yeah. when you go to cast you know days on doing it deals nine. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the pseudo uh, Etherflux Reservoir. It's very very similar. Yeah. 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 So I had a ton of fun playing that. I looked at like buying the deck, and I could buy the deck for like. 80 bucks and so we're starting to get prepped for scg con indie you know you're thinking about going you may or may not go i think derek wants to go i really want to go and so you know if i go and play legacy with you guys i'm probably going to take like a jeskai uh monastery mentor build maybe with some merc tides and if i go with modern i'm really leaning towards like spending a couple like a month or so just kind of grinding this buying twiddlestorm and taking twiddlestorm and trying to like like take the meta down and just just sidestep all the all the traditional hate. I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin everyone's sideboards because no one's prepared mm-hmm. for Lotus Field Twiddle Days Undo or not Days Undoing, <laughs> but uh uh oh, I just forgot the name again. What's psychic pu- uh, psychic, psychic puppetry, puppetry and uh yeah I I'm super excited. Well, now that we're done talking about what uh, I'm excited about doing and what you didn't do today. Yep. Let's give a thanks to the Planeswalkers Podcasting Network who graciously welcomed us into their network of podcasts. Will and Aramis over at twitch.tv forward slash Planeswalkers Podcast every Monday host their podcast at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time where you can learn basically everything you need to know need to know about the standard meta and anything going on in like in like new new magic. So standard and maybe some commander stuff. They also do kind of like us, like a lot of news. If you hit them up on that same disc or that same Twitch on Wednesday, you can watch their Commander Craft series where they play Commander with fans like me and maybe you. You can join those games on the Planesockers Discord, discord.planesockerspodcast.com, where we also have a channel. And if you check it out, we're actually trying to organize for um we're trying to we are organizing a CEDH event where a couple of us in the Discord are really excited to play CEDH and uh it's gonna be proxy allowed. But we're trying to organize a extra life fundraiser to go with it. And I think right now. The plan is uh, the weekend of March 26th. And so that's going to be either the 26th or the 27th. And we're not really sure what day, what time yet. We're still kind of narrowing it down. But we're trying to get it on uh, one of those days to kind of get together, have some real fun playing some CDH, get some new people in, do a lot of rotating, and raise some money for a really good cause. So if anyone on here would be willing to come and, you know, just check it out, show us some support, watch the show a little bit, maybe donate some money to help some kids in need, we'd appreciate it. All right. So um, before we get started today, if you saw the title of this episode, you'll know that we have special guest Jordan Barenhouse coming on today to talk about his SCG Con Philly run. So today's episode is going to be a little different. What we're going to do is Matt and I are going to go through the legacy and modern meta without Jordan. 
because oddly enough, he's not been just hiding in the background, not saying anything because we have him coming on a little later today. And the way the schedules worked out, we didn't really have time to record an entire episode with him because he's going to come on kind of late in the evening. So we're going to record just kind of a really brief overview. And then we're going to jump cut into the future to a interview that for us hasn't happened, but for you, hopefully has happened. And we're going to kind of wrap the episode up with getting his his story on his SCG uh, showing and, and, you know, how his day went and some of his deck choices. And, you know, uh, I believe I misspoke last week be- because the website I was looking at had it mislabeled, but he lost in the semifinals. So he basically got third or fourth. Yeah. Gonna, you know, th- those are really the there's no difference between third and fourth when you just get knocked out in the semifinals. So we'll say he got third. He got third. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but with Boros Burn. And so we're really excited to talk to him about uh, that really, really cool run with a deck that is like five hundred dollars out there beating up on these money pile decks that cost fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. So with that all out of the way, Matt, how's legacy looking? It's improving. Nice. Um, we've had a couple weeks. It's really funny. We were talking about this before. Matt and I are like on not opposite ends of the spectrum, but like we feel very differently about the state of legacy right now. Like this week's Sunday challenge, it's not horrible. Uh we've got blue red delver with six decks of the top thirty two, two in the top eight and four four in the top 16 if i remember mm-hmm. correctly it's about so, right yeah like it's better it's better it's a big improvement yep i'm not going to deny that at all the deck seems to be have seems to have been toned down a little bit everybody mm-hmm. knew that would happen well not everyone there were some people saying ragavan would make the de- oh, yeah. ragavan would make the deck yeah. better people thought that would get better without ragavan i think if it was better without ragavan people would have been running it without ragavan but that's just me so yeah we'll go over it green white depths dreadnought 33 took it down that says naya depths matt yep that's because it's green white depths with <laughs> pyroblast and yep. elemental blast <laughs> pyroblast and, re- and yep reb there was uh there was chatter on twitter calling for the renaming of naya depths to like farm depths or whatever because it's all crop rots yeah naya depths is just all crop rots and so i put my two cents in saying i want to start a poll to rename um green white depths to 12 rot 12 rot 12 rot <laughs> or 12 crop i would tell you know 12 crop because so. it's just because yeah you're four elvish reclaimer you're four nether reliquary and you're four crop rot that's how you assemble your combo yeah just looking at the list again i'm not an expert on this doesn't look like there's anything like wildly out of place here i think the outland, um, i think the outland liberator that's the card i was going to bring up definitely a recent addition because it came out recently but yeah. i don't think i've been seeing them as common but it yeah. is a really powerful just uh a two mana creature but it's a one mana uh naturalize yeah. on a stick it's yep. really good so just go through the list real quick doesn't look like we're missing anything mm. does it normally run tower of magistrate tower of the magistrate that's cool never seen that card before know what it is uh it's a color uh it's a Comes into play untapped, add one colorless mana to your mana pool, uh, pay one, tap it, target creature gains protection from artifacts until end of turn. That seems like, it. I could be wrong here, but that seems like it's an, kind of a growing answer to the artifacts running around everywhere. You got Urza Saga tokens, you got uh, eight cast is a very real thing. Which Where do got, you see that? Oh, in the, the sideboard. sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, what are we talking about? Yeah, the stuff in the main is pretty stock. Gotcha. Um, yes, 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 yes. So I haven't seen that one before. I could be wrong. So if we are, let us know. You know what that's there for? That's there for uh, Cauldra. That's the best Cauldra answer ever. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's so, I, I want to say Julian talked about this on Twitter. Does Cauldra give trample? Yes. Yes. It does. doesn't totally stop it then. It unequips the germ token. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just unequips it. Uh, yeah. it no matter what you put it on, you get, you give your mom yeah, protection from artifacts. Off. It falls yeah. off. 
That makes sense. I see. Yeah, it may, it would make a good blocker. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going yes, with yes, initially. Yes, yes. But yeah, that makes way more sense because yep. it's yeah. I think uh, Julian mentioned how that was like a really cool OG answer to. I think yep. Battlescroll was probably what he's bringing up, but just artifacts in general. Tower yep. of the Magistrates are really really clean answer. And to it's in that. the perfect deck. Yep. So yeah. just having uh, one in your deck, you bring it in when you need it. And one is all you'll ever need in what is it called? Twelve rod. <laughs> <laughs> in green white depths. <laughs> yep. Cool to see choke coming back. I haven't seen chokes in the sideboard as much lately, and that's like I just choke so good. Three man is kind of rough, but <laughs> when it when it just <laughs> destroys half the lands or well, uh, I mean, half the decks in play. I was gonna say that's three man is rough for cards that don't just win the game. Mm-hmm, that's true. If you're smart about when you choke, choke just either is a must force or you win. Yep, it's either a him to Turok or yeah. a Armageddon. Correct. So that's uh, it's choke got. Decent play in the Elf sideboard mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, it's, it seems to f- have fallen out of favor in recent events and whatnot, but it yep. was around for a while. I remember losing to it. You yep. know why I'm guessing it fell out of favor is because you can get a Ragavan out and then Choke doesn't matter. Correct. Like, I mean, Ch- Ragavan, it's one of those things like in a perfect world when Ragavan's doing its thing, but like Ragavan makes Choke not very good because it's, just, I'm going to cast my stuff off treasures. Yep. Or I can at least get my blue mana out of treasures. Yeah. So with Ragavan being gone, I do kind of see Choke becoming more of a player again. I hope so. I love it. Back your distant chance, guys. Because, uh, screw islands, right? <laughs> just piss off, let's see, uh, 59% of players. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the people playing Force of Will, I'm guessing. Yeah. In second, we've got uh, Mental Misstep with uh, Blue Red Delver, mm-hmm. the Brazen Borrower, Mishra's Bobble, Bobble build. Yep. I uh, think one uh, Steam Vents. I think I think Brazen Borrower is the kind of default go-to. It's just such a clean, flexible answer. And uh, I was talking to someone on our Discord the other day about we were brewing up some decks for Modern. And he had put in, he or she, I don't remember who it was, had put in a DRC into their like prowess deck with no Bobble. And that was my first thing where I was like, you either need to put bobbles in this deck or, or cut DRC, DRC out. Because yeah. I don't think DRC is worth playing if you're literally only running four card types. Right. Well, it's, it becomes, I mean, when you can't flip, or no, I shouldn't say flip, but effectively flip, when you can't turn on Delirium almost at will, DRC becomes a much worse yep. card. And on top of that, Mishra's Bobble isn't that good unless right. it surveils one. Yep. Like if Mishra Bobble said, you know, zero mana surveil one and then do the rest. There'd be a four of in every deck and be banned. Yeah. So, like, it just makes Mishra's Bobble so playable, and it makes DRC so playable. Without one, the other, in my opinion, isn't worth the slot in your or deck. Or in Modern Lurus. Or in Modern Lurus. That's yeah. different. Yeah. Yep. Other than that, well, yeah. this looks like, this looks like, I mean, they've only got five Force of Wills, not six. Usually oh, you see six. <laughs> the <yeah>. spice. <laughs> uh, this looks like a, this yeah. looks like a very stock list. in the side. That's, again, not necessarily spicy, but kind of a flex slot there. That's that we, yeah, it's really interesting. We've seen that being holding up spots in the main and now uh, Mental Misstep, who is a very, very powerful and very, uh, yeah, this good guy wizard is doing moved into the sideboard. So still wants to have it, but doesn't think it's worth a main board slot. Now, there is a little bit of spice energy flux. So two and a blue during each player's upkeep, destroy all artifacts that player controls. The player may pay an additional two for each artifact he or she wishes to, pre- wishes to prevent. Yep. Okay. Templating energy flux from destroying. So it's, it's so it just it just makes all of your artifacts have an upkeep cost of two. Yeah. Is so, that the le- is that the most efficient way to get that? Isn't there one that does one? I um, think there's a card that does one. It gives everything an upkeep cost of one. I don't think it's blue though. 
I could oh, be wrong. Oh, that's a good point. Well, there's like Kotaki's War Wage. Yeah, that's white though. And then there's there's probably a card that Kotaki's War Wage is based off of that I don't. I'm just not, I'm I mean, that is a name. very white thing to do. That, right. that kind of taxing is very white. So you're right. Energy that, flux. That's some eight cast. While it's not like taking over the meta, it is mm-hmm. a very consistent thing to beat. Yeah. The very it's like there's almost always one or two in the top thirty two, and <laughs> without something like that, I don't know how Delver beats it. Exactly. Well, like, uh, uh, yeah. What I was gonna say is what I, the thought occurred to me was so energy flux to eight cast is what choke is to gonna, Delver. Yep, I was gonna make that. That's I just was, I was waiting to see if you would draw the connection there, and if you didn't, I was three gonna say mana it. games probably over. Yep. Pick your favorite artifact. You get to keep that one. Yep, and with um, including some, your lands with some oh. of the changes with eight cast. Eight cast isn't as vulnerable to meltdown as it is because it got a new card, which we'll talk about when we get to eight cast. Which most people probably know by now. Yeah, the cards. People think legacy. I mean, like, the cards look good, but people think like MTGO is burning down over this card. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, they're a hundred bucks a piece. Well, and this is the thing. I could be wrong here, and I don't want to go too deep in it. But it seems like exactly what we're talk, what we always talk about, where it's a very strong, narrow card. So. Yeah. The problem, I was just like, man, it's so good. It's very good, but it's very good. It's, it's very it's narrow. Kind of, it's kind of like Alistair, Shepard, or yeah, Muxus. They, they printed that for a cast or an artifact deck. Yeah. So, in third place, we've got Painter. Technically, I believe this is called Strawberry Shortcake because it's red-white. I don't know where the lines are on, but it has one Aethersworn candidate. Is every single red-white deck a Strawberry Shortcake deck, or is Strawberry Shortcake a more defined form of Painter? Painter is just kind of so wishy-washy. There's like six different kinds of Painter. But so, this well, I know strawberry shortcake is a painter deck. Yes, I know, but like, does ev- does every painter deck with white in it become strawberry shortcake? I don't know where the line is exactly. So this one has enlightened tutor and one canonist, yeah, and then a couple sideboard slots that are white. But other than that, yeah, it's it's a mono red deck. Yeah, so painter, <laughs> but yeah, painter. We're gonna go with the thing that's definitely correct. It's a painter deck. Mm-hmm. Again, doesn't look I've, other than the cards you just mentioned, either yep. sworn canonist and enlightened tutor. This doesn't look to have anything. Breaking the mold. Uh, Smuggler's Copter. I don't know if that's standard. In the side? It's in the main. Oh, it looked right over it. Yep. Poor Smuggler's Copter. What did Smuggler's Copter get banned in? Wasn't that banned? Standard. Oh. It crapped all over standard. Oh, okay. I thought it got banned in Legacy or Modern. Yeah. Crew Interesting. one on a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. <laughs> the, Pretty strong. silly. It's Delver. Yep. It's a two-man <laughs> Delver. But, yeah. I mean, it's Delver. But, yeah, and, and the looting is just so good. Oh, yeah. And there's no color requirements. Like, Smuggler's Copter was just way too good for standard. And this is a bit of a sidetrack, but I was listening to the Limited Resources podcast with LSV the like a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. And one of their episodes they were talking about, they had, like, done the math. This is with Limited, so it's probably a little different. But I think the fundamentals carry, where they were like, if you can loot, it is always correct to loot. Pretty much. Uh, like, except for the rarest of circumstances. Yeah. Anytime you can loot, you have the chance to draw a card and discard, it is always advantageous mm-hmm. to have the selection of drawing a card and discarding a card. Absolutely. Unless, well, unless, you're, unless you're just like draw a discard. Right. Well, yeah. Like if you don't, if you, if you have, if you have no cards in hand, but if you have any card in hand, it's always better to draw and then discard one. Yep. Because, well, I mean, if you work through the logic here, say you have one card in hand and it's the same card. Well, now you don't want two copies of that card. So you're not going to draw that yep. next turn. Anything more than that, you're now getting a choice of cards. Yep. And if you don't want that card, you don't want that card, right? Exactly. So now it's not on the top of your deck. Like there's 
there's there's probably stupid narrow corner cases mm-hmm. where you can be like, well, actually, under these circumstances, yeah. you don't want to loot, blah, blah. Because, I mean, we're talking to magic players and I'm including myself yep. well, in there's, them. There's, but like, they, they said there's there's going to there, there's gonna be some times, but 99% of the time, well, yeah. you are in the correct if you always draw why a card, you? loot it away. Yep. yep. Why wouldn't you? Interesting. Yeah, I, I've not seen Smuggler Copter in these. That's and on top of that, up. if you just take into account that, I mean, most decks use the graveyard now. Yep. I mean, this one especially. At least in some way. I mean, how many times is this deck? Because how often is your Goblin Welder going to be crewing your Smuggling Copter, and it's just draw, draw card, draw card, because you're discarding something that you're going to use later. Right, so it's... Yep, pretty cool. That's Uh a good pickup, I think. That's an interesting pickup. Next up in (gasps) four, we've got (gasps) Blue Red Delver. Hey, is it Delver? More spice. This looks like almost the same list. I think it is almost the same list. Meltdowns, and like we talked about, Meltdowns instead of Energy Flux. Sideboard's a little different. Yeah. Doesn't have the steam vents. Yep. Still has a brazen borrower. Yeah. So nothing super exciting yep, there. Almost identical. Some sideboard slots got changed up. Sideboards are, you know, build to taste, especially with Delver. Delver yeah. sideboards are very build to taste. Mm-hmm. All right. In fifth Ugh. place, we've got lands. You know, I want you to know that Sarah, my wife, still hates lands. <laughs> We talk about playing legacy and new decks, whatever, and she still makes a point to bring up I'm not playing lands or against lands. Why? Because when I play lands against her, she doesn't play the game. Because <laughs> she always plays Hogak and that doesn't run any basics. And I just very easy to waste her it's out. It's very easy to waste her out. Yeah. Sarah this one, does not like man denial. Um so lands has gotten a couple new pickups. Mm-hmm. Uh this one's technically classified as Soltai. Uh it does have two fluster storms in the side, but it's got a couple, it's got one tropical island, and then it's got uh Odawara, the Soaring City, mm-hmm. and the other one. Hey, uh, um, just so you know, Impu Rivulet. Uh, and I, I have a legacy podcast, so I can help you with this. Um, blue, red, green isn't. Sorry. Um, what am I thinking? Of? Not Soltai. It's Teemer, isn't it? Yeah, Teemer. Sorry, <laughs> that's kind of why it's yeah. like. Yeah, it's Teemer. It's yeah. Teemer lands. Obviously, I I tease Matt. It's a brain, no, it's a brain yeah. fart. This <laughs> is like because I, I was looking. I was like, Soltai. Where's yeah. the where's You're the like, black? Where's the black? Is this four color? No. This is a technically a teamer list, but it's yeah. it's a uh, gruel. Yes, effectively, effectively but gruel. It does having the uh, the rivulet and the soaring city. Those are like blue mana activated. They're effectively spells for lands. That's so, true. Like, that's very true. It's like you can't really do anything with them, and that's why I was bringing up the tropical island. Like you need, mm-hmm. and they are very good cards. Like you've got uh, the rivulet. I imagine that's an answer for doomsday. Pretty good one too. Yeah, just oh cool, you've got that. Cast any spell, <laughs> right? <laughs> Go ahead, build your pile. <laughs> yep. And the the soaring city is just a very good card, just in general. Yeah, I'm um, not surprised at all to see the soaring city. Did they put Besaju in as well. Yeah. Yep, Besaju. I'm not surprised. Those when those cards got spoiled, Besaju for sure, and Otawara, Otara, the soaring city, whatever. Just like while those cards might see play in Legacy, it's like duh, they're gonna see play in Lands. Yeah. Although Lands is, I heard um, from somewhere, I think on Twitter, but like. It's getting hard to find room in lands for all of the really good utility lands because yeah. there's just so many good, like one of utility lands. I think that's one of the reasons. I mean, it's it's obvious, but that Yavamea uh, Cradle of Growth really helps the deck. It does. Because you can have stuff like Soaring City and Rivulet, and they still produce green yep. consistently since you're going to be, again, we're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, a lot of crop rotation effects. Yep, crop rot. I mean, the, the pips in this deck, I mean, crop rots, exploration, and the most important card of the deck that you have to always be able to cast Life from the Loam. Yeah. You have to be able to cast Life from the Loam every game as soon as possible. Absolutely. So, but yeah. cool. 
cool to see lands. We haven't seen lands come into a top eight in a long time. Yeah, I was. It's that it's that grindy control deck that is just it's always there, and you just don't see it very often. And the world's most obvious statement: you bring in Flusterstorm for the storm matchup, duh. But I mean. Lance has like a horrible storm matchup. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. What's it do? Lance, Lance wants the game to go to 10 yeah. or yep. 20. Yeah. And then Storm's like, I could have won the game five times already. Right. And then, I mean, they're literally relying on like Power Blast and Red, Ele- Red mm-hmm. Elemental Blast to try to like prevent the game from to going wrong it. and like stick that Dark Depths combo quickly. Yep. Like that's really your game plan. The force so of- much of their deck is just dead against. And, well, I mean, you've got the, the Spheres of Resistance are very good and the Force of Vigors are also pretty good yeah. too. You've got some sideboard cards, but like a lot of the sideboard here is going to be really targeted towards that storm matchup because it's just and so, so bad combo in general yeah it's true it's true true yeah but yeah so it's, it's just so bad yeah i mean how many times have you seen have you heard of lands going the punishing fire route to end somebody like <laughs> right. punishing fire and grove of the burn willows take one damage a cycle or maybe two yep your storm opponent's not exactly worried about nope. that all right uh following up we've got eight cast so now we get to talk about the card we were uh you know teasing a little bit yeah this guy found four of them <laughs> i know you can't right? buy him like i checked on uh card hoarder you can't buy them. Yeah. They're like uh, they're like 98 tickets well, and they're sold out. It's the same thing with what happened with Modern Horizons 2, I remember. I mean, the only way these cards enter the the ecosystem is it's through drafts chests. and chests. Well, this one's chests because yeah. it's, this is have you noticed this is a commander card. Oh, is it? <laughs> it's not even in packs. You can only get it from chests. Why does Wizards keep doing this? I mean, I know why. <laughs> Cha-ching. Yeah. They want any card they any yep. card that they so, can make eighty three dollars online. What's the card we're talking about? <laughs> so we've got Kappa Cannoneer. Uh, it is a six mana, five colorless, and a blue four four with improvise ward four. And then whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and it can't be blocked this turn. You know a funny thing? Hmm. I'm pretty sure Kappa Cannoneer sees itself. I'm pretty sure Kappa Cannoneer sees itself entering. My instinct is well, normally they they format the text differently. Mm-hmm. So the reason I want to say that is I was watching the Legacy Pit and they were playing with it and he made a joke about how we don't know how to format spells anymore, apparently. Did he they? played it. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm I'm, I'm not positive. I really think it sees itself. Either way, I'll look it up. You, you yeah. keep talking. But anywho, so worst case scenario, it's a 4-4. Four, four. might just be a 5-5 five, five with Ward 4, which means it's effectively got hex, Hexproof or Shroud. I think it's Shroud. I, is think, it, is I, it believe, I think Ward is anything. Gotcha. It, it should well, say, thank God for that. Yeah. At least it's not going to be carrying a Shadow Spear anytime soon. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think does it have reminder text? No, it doesn't. Of course not. I think Ward is if it's gonna be if it would be targeted by any ability. That makes sense. I mean, Should at be. least it's somewhat fair. Yeah. Um, all the rest is relatively stock. Uh, it is down to only three thought monitors and two thought casts, so it's more like five cast. Yeah. I this is if you want to argue that eight cast needed a deck or needed a uh another card for the deck. Kappa Cannoneer is definitely that card. This card's strong. As soon as I saw it, I was like, holy cow. Like, mm-hmm. I got super excited for it. Well, that's improvise and not uh, affinity. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an, that is, I mean, this card has so many ways you could weaken it just a little bit to probably make it a little more fair, but that would definitely be one of the things that would make it way too good mm-hmm. is being affinity instead of improvise. Um, that at least requires you to be playing, you know, like your. Your seed of sign odds don't tap for two, that kind of thing. Like, I have found one comment on a on a product for sale page that says it seeds itself. Gotcha. Um, so that's I, I I'm pretty sure this this card seeds itself. When it ETBs, it gets a counter. Yeah. So it comes in as a five five. But yeah, it's I mean it is the perfect card. You just go down the list. Chalice of the Void can be cast for zero, although realistically you probably don't want to. Lotus mm, yeah. Petal, Bobble, 
Mox Opal, Bobble, all zero mana artifacts. Yep. You get to pair it with Emery and Psy. Is it, is it any artifact or non-token? Whenever an artifact. <laughs> so if you have a Psy out, <laughs> yeah. you get, it's a twofer. <laughs> yep. Play a Bobble, plus two, plus two. <laughs> yeah, Jeez, this Louise. card is definitely the Merktide of a yeah. cast. And it, the cost it's just bonkers. $83. Is that its, that its money? Hover to MTO. Yeah, so 383 tickets for a playset. Oh my god. $400 playset. Cool. Yep. Because Acast wasn't expensive enough. It's a 1500 ticket deck. If I had three of my rental plans, I still could not rent this deck. The thing, it actually kind of pisses me off that this is a commander card. This would be great. This is what Modern Affinity needed. This would be the shot the arm in the It's in Modern, Matt. What are you complaining about? Oh, oh sorry. I... Well, you said modern affinity. I feel so dumb. I thought you just said affinity. My brain tuned no. out modern. Yeah, because I was—I like, thought you were being like, because it's in—it's in legacy. No, yeah, like modern affinity would love to have this powerhouse, right? And Watsy was like, no, sure, too good for standard, obviously. <laughs> right. <laughs> the thing is, it probably—I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm no standard expert. I don't know if artifacts are to the degree that this guy is. Well, honestly, busted, in Kamigawa but... they are. In Kamigawa they are busted. Just be, the the number of artifacts. I know, but as is standard as a whole the metagame strong enough that you could make an artifact theme deck? It's uh, there is currently a vehicles deck running is around. There? Yeah, gotcha. And like, the, like I, I saw a couple matches where like they would have like four vehicles out, and you know you pick which one you use. And some of them crew others, and they have activated abilities. Like when this crews crew another vehicle. Yeah, but you could then use those as mana dorks mm-hmm. to cast this. You could yep. have four vehicles out and just tap them all for mana. Yep. So probably they they did artifacts saw so much love in this new set with uh, standard. It probably would be broken in standard, almost almost certainly. I'd rather have them print it in standard and ban it, and then we get it in modern. <laughs> have it in modern, yeah. Because <laughs> it's never gonna make it to modern now. Right. I mean, that that's just another card that's just that will that will never be in modern. Nope. Because it's not gonna when can you reprint that in a standard legal set? Maybe in theory it could get reprinted in like Modern Horizons 15. That's the only yeah, MH3. I mean it could see an MH3 printing, but it's not at gonna. this point. I doubt it. I, I guess it's been designed for a while. All right, let's get, let's get moving yep. a little bit. We're going a little Anywho, long on time with our guests coming on today. We've got... Just talk really fast. Just like run like... I am not Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Esper Vial in seventh place. It's hard to say that there's a stock list with Esper Vial since the whole yep. deck is built around flex cards. Not to mention, what's it... <laughs> stock since when? 2017? Right. When's the last well, time I mean, you saw Esper Vial? It, it, it was a... It was floating around a little bit, not this previous year with Modern Horizons, but basically before Modern Horizons 2, Esper Vial was very real. Was Esper Vial a thing during with MH1 in the format? I don't Yeah, I don't remember seeing any. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't remember seeing much or any Esper Vial it was, was. in the MH, MH1 it was, era. It was one of many Tier 2 decks. Gotcha. And that's, I mean, that's probably where it's sitting right now. You know what I mean? Just It's kind of mm-hmm. floating in that thing where it's a perfectly serviceable deck. Mm-hmm. There's, you know... Three Gilded Drake. Oof. Yeah, that's... That card is stock. Yep. And that's unfortunate. Pretty good. Unfortunately, those things reserve are list. 350 bucks a piece. Yeah. So just going through here, let's see if there's any new cards. Uh, we've got Solitude. Again, that's going to be relatively recent for since Modern Horizons. Lion Sash. Yep. Makes we, sense. Makes perfect sense that that's in a there. Really good, really flexible card. Um, Inventive Iteration. This is one of those sagas that you hate so much. Mm, yep. Flips into a 3-3. <laughs> No, it doesn't flip. It doesn't flip into a three-three. It flips into a three-three with flying. That says whenever you cast a spell, your opponents can't cast spells with the same mana value. To be fair, this card is 
perfectly costed for what it is. It it's did. four mana. But what I'm saying is, it doesn't. It, if I know. All, it's, if all these sagas flipped into vanilla three threes and vanilla four fours, I wouldn't be nearly as upset. But like we jumped because that's that. That should have been the the next progression was. Oh, hey, let's like sagas make beaters. They don't make beaters. Sagas make useful creatures. Yep. But what else does this do? Read it for again, the read it for him because I don't know what it does. It's four mana. Uh, page one or lore counter one, whatever it is. Uh, return up to one target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. Chapter one. Chapter one. Yep. Sure. Uh, chapter two. Return an artifact card from your graveyard to your hand if you can't draw a card. So right now we're sitting at a four mana cantripping boomerang. Mm-hmm. And then hitting planeswalkers is good. Yeah, but I mean boomerang hits planeswalkers. Yeah. Um. Then when it flips, it becomes a 3-3 flyer. Whenever you cast a spell, your opponents can't cast spells with the same mana value of that spell that you cast until their next until your next turn. Which boy, you brush over that until your next turn. Yeah, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. Wow. In a format that's dominated by cantrips, that is very good, but it's again, or I mean, think about it. You force some If I for if you force something, they can't, they can't force, force anything. Yep. Like that's kind of a weird example, I guess, because you probably don't have multiple forces in your hand. But like, yeah, you, you, if that hits chapter two, you <laughs> store some plowshares there, creature. Your turn. Oh, no ponder brainstorm. That sucks. Right. So again, yeah, four mana. I'm not. Yeah, four mana is fine. Yeah. That's it's that's, one of these. That's it's one of the like if you can get this card to flip, you probably it's, have earned your three three. That's also thing. it's in a Yorion deck. It's a yeah. one. It's a it's one of enchantment in a Yorion deck. Yeah. So this is one of those things where it's just that's an interesting card. Um, Amber Mage in the side. Like I don't. And from what I was saying, this is kind of where I think these sagas should be. Like if you're going to do this, like there's nothing wrong with that card. Like the yeah. the you, you your three is much better, and your one and two is kind of mediocre. And in, there's a significant upfront cost. Basically, paying four mana for a boomerang is awful it does draw a card though yeah. it does cantrip which is really nice it, it cantrips next turn <laughs> yeah but it does re- it, it does cantrip in the perfect way where you get something really good back yep check out this uh the hammer mage i'm guessing we couldn't get any meltdowns like is this just a worse melt oh you but well, you can violet it in but like yeah i mean the, the whole wouldn't you rather just wouldn't you still rather have meltdown the like, whole i mean you got recruiter the guard here so like oh, it's a tutorable meltdown yeah it's a tutorable meltdown that yep. makes sense the whole deck is just, yeah and i forgot about you can tutor it that makes it that makes it way better yep yeah, other than reading the whole list, like I mean, it's I'll I'll, I'll make sure and get a link to uh, the results this week. I couldn't get it last week because there were like they were like Discord posts and whatever. So, yeah. but I'll get links up this week so you can check out this list. It's a really cool list. It's a ton of one ofs. It take us twenty minutes to read all these cards, but it's a really cool uh, little uh, four color Aetherbile list. And rounding out the top eight, we've got Turbo Depths. Well, black green depths. Yeah, I'm um, sure it's it's. I, I'm guessing it's Turbo Depths. That's kind of what I think of when I see black green. Again, I don't want to. Magic's full of people mm-hmm. like me. Who are pedantic? Yeah, I think four diamond, or sorry, two diamond, two petal, and then um, vampire hex mages. The, the the hex mage is what I think of when yeah, you have you can really power it out. Now, yes. the deck does have some grinding potential with the five thought seasons main board. You've got four thought season, one duress, yep. one duress, and then you've got uh, dark confidants, four or three dark confidants, and dothy void. So, so you, like you do have some decent grinding potential here. This is probably not quite turbo depths, probably like a a mid. This is like fast steps, not turbo. It's depths. almost kind of like an alternative to green white, mm-hmm. where like I mean, if you slot out your Knight of the Reliquary for your Void Walkers or your Confidants, yeah. that kind of thing, that that's you're looking at discard yeah. instead of uh, Swords of Plowshares stuff like that. You get your four Crop Rots. You've got three Once Upon Times. Duh. You've got a pretty sweet tutorable land package with all the lands you'd want, including a couple of Wastelands, the Jiri Step. Got the new Besaju. Yep, Besaju. 
of course, a great way to remove lock pieces. Oh no, I gave them a land. Take 20. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yep. Yeah, it looks like a pretty stock, like what I would expect to see in a black green deck. Uh, reclaimers. Chokes popping up again in the side. Nice. Yep. Chokes. Uh, yeah. Sa- Safekeeper, Dothy, Vampire Hex Mage. Yeah. Pretty cool. Let's run through our metagame summary pretty quick and then we'll jump into modern for a little bit before we um, wrap this part of the episode up. And then we can save, try and save some time for Jordan. Um, it's probably going to be a longer episode this week because I really want to. Like spend some time talking to him. But I also want to give you guys the sweet, sweet meta analysis you come here for. Yep. And well, again, credit where credit is due. Legacy is improving. So I do want to take the time to yeah, talk about can, it when it's like, because I mean, we're talking about decks that we haven't seen in a while. Yep. So. I, like this top eight, if you, if you just put your hand over the metagame summary, the top eight is great. Right. Top eight's yeah. amazing. So, but you get over to the metagame summary. Always a but. And it's not quite as good. Now, to start off with, the other category is seven decks. Yeah. So it's the best. It's the highest. Like, yes. we literally asked for this like two weeks ago. Right. The next, though, is Izzet Delver. Yep. 19%, roughly 18.75. Yeah, six of the top 32. Um, like I said, we don't have to go and do a whole nother discussion here. I think if you just got rid of Merktide, I think we'd be golden. It yeah. looks like we'd be at smooth sailing. Nobody likes playing against that card. It doesn't do anything interesting. It's just the world's best beater. Yeah. And. If I, you take that, like, if you just cut Blue Red Delver in half in the top eight and just sprinkled it onto the other decks, I mean, we've got, the this kind of proves my point and I'll get to it in a second, but we've got, like, Painter, Eight Cast, Depths, Control, Merfolk, Sneak and Show, Dredge, Reanimator, Death and Taxes is back in full force. It, like, there was, like, four or five in the, the Saturday challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where we want to be. It looks like Blue Red Delver might still need a, a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. But whether or not Wizards will, I don't know. Doesn't have, it doesn't have a full-on mullet anymore, but like right. it still could use a trim. Because, yeah, it's running at 19% a lot. I spoke many times during our uh, several-month tirade on Delver being 20 to 25%, how I really wanted it to be under 20. Like, I would be a lot... I'm a lot more content seeing Delver at between 18 and 19% of the meta. It's obviously a lot. The other thing to keep in mind, though, is like, well, it does say 18%. That used to be we would have 19 or 20% of Delver... And then, like, another 4% of not yeah. Delver, but still yep. Delver. So, like, we are coming off of metas that were, like, 22 to 26% yes, there, Delver. Yeah, there, there is, there has been substantial I mean, this improvement. this is a night and day change. I wouldn't go as far as to say night and day, but it's a it's a substantial improvement. As far as the metagame summary. I, I could see your argument from the metagame summary. From the top eight summary, the top this eight night looks, and day. Oh, yeah. And yeah. from your metagame summary numbers, I could maybe see your argument. But Yeah, and if... Again, we'll just just because it's a little bit more no data, we don't arguing. have to go into uh, uh, great Rumble. depth here. Rumble, but if Rumble. you go with the Saturday one, you've got Arclight Phoenix winning. Mm. You've got a blue white. Uh, I'm assuming it's blue white control. Oh no, this is the blue white uh, thought cast. You've oh, got nice. Death and Taxes, Sneak and Show, Jeskai Control. So another Cl- really good top eight. Yeah, so like we're getting there. Nice. And again, this is probably in the wait and see yeah. category. Because well, who knows? Give it a couple more weeks and this could have been enough. Yep. Well, I, I say I'll eat my words a little bit where like we both were very much like, I don't think Ragavan's enough. Ragavan might have been enough. I still don't think it was. But I, again, think- if we're going to his- compare stuff to like yeah. historically, like... 18 to 20% of the meta is still very high. It is. I'll say Ragavan being banned did a lot more than I thought it would. It, I, I would agree there. Yeah. I, I definitely did a lot more than I expected. Yes. So, like I said. Don't I, worry, though. Force of Will still 60%. <laughs> I know. That doesn't solve the whole other host of problems. Yeah. But, like, if we're talking about 
the metagame where we know like what it would look like if we just within reason there's one card that's a problem here like that's all we're talking I mean, about currently currently we got murktide regent yeah if we can get rid of murktide regent then we're good to go and it's like we're off to the races with a good format again yeah and i think these like my prediction would be over the next couple weeks we're going to continue to see delver kind of in this spot maybe not every tournament because mm-hmm. that's the thing like everybody says like it feels like an improvement when you go from 25 to 20 or 18 and it is but now you're still looking at one out of every five games for mm-hmm. perpetually is going to be blue red delver yeah that's true <laughs> so that's a good point it's, good it's one of those things where it's like oh it's kind of like a breath of fresh air yeah. but you're still drowning a little bit yeah i i, I get what you're saying i get so, saying. i'm a little more positive about it than you um, that's because I'm a better person than you. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I see a little more positivity in this is all. But um, I definitely would love to see Delver bumped. Out. I mean, it's it's so hard to complain when, like, I'd like to see Delver closer to 15 or 14. But it's hard to start fighting for 3 and 4%. Yep. However, I agree with you. Merktide's probably the way to do it. Because if you ban Merktide, they still got uh, Expressive Iteration and DRC. Two very good upgrades to the deck. Correct. So, so we'll it, see. Yeah. We'll see it going forward. I'd, I would like to see it go down a little more as well. But I like as long as these challenge results stay the same, like top eights, I'm pretty excited. Right. So just looking at it again, we've got Delver, lands, death and taxes. Like once you get this, is what I mean, once you get past it, is it Delver? Everything else is just like a two or one. Yeah, twos and ones. Like this, this top 32 is actually very we're diverse. Getting, we're getting really wide. We just, but it's also, it's, it's like a very wide, short pyramid mm-hmm. <laughs> where you're just like, <laughs> We used to have a space needle. Yeah. Now it looks like fat bastard laying on his side from Austin Powers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh my goodness. uh, Most played cards, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Days, Lotus Petal. Like, I mean... Lotus Petal's still pretty cool. uh, We didn't see much of that in the top eight. Like, do people just not want to see that anymore? Like, how long are we going to be like, okay, yeah. I think you know what I mean. I think people are more okay with it than we are. And then baby steps. We'll take it in baby steps. Correct. Um, top creatures: Murktide, Delver, DRC, Recruiter of the Guard, and Solitude. And then top spells: same thing. Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Days, Lotus Battle. Nice. That's Legacy. Let's hop over to Modern. We'll kind of breeze through this a little quickly because I want to say most of our Modern content is going to be with Jordan, but I do want to give the lovelies their meta analysis. So first place on Sunday was a Jund list with Rafp, RAFP. I don't know. <laughs> As far as Jun goes, um, this is pretty common for a Jun list for Ren and Six, for Goifs, Ragavans, DRCs. The spell, I mean, like, this is exactly what Jund is. Like, even down to, like, literally a Nihil spell bomb, a Pyrite spell bomb. Yep. Like, we haven't seen a Jun list come in the top eight in the last couple of weeks, but this is the Jun list we see when we do see it. Second and third were both Merktide Regent lists. So my wife's thinking about getting into modern with me, and I, because she wants to play like an aggressive in the red zone deck. And I, one of the things I brought up with her, like if price is no option, <laughs> you want to spend $1,200 right. on a deck, like the Merktide lists in modern are pretty good. Cause you got the, you got, you get to play with all the broken stuff for Ragavan, for DRC, for Merktide, one brazen borrower, literally the creature suite of modern yep. or of a legacy. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, considers bolts, um, one serum visions, which I, I don't know. I, I just, that seems weird. Don't look at it as one serum visions. Look at it as a fifth consider. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a very good point. It's a fifth fifth consider. And some counter spells, iterations. Uh, only one force negation in the main, but combo isn't. I mean, combo's not very prevalent in modern right now, and like pitch spells are pretty costly in a format where card advantage is really important. Well, yeah, and then the other thing with the forces is like you're not trying. Typically speaking, 
you're not trying to stop them from winning on turn one or turn two. Yeah. So you've got time to get your uh, counter spells or your archmage's charms yep. online. Yeah, counter spell is a is. I mean, it's just it's a real. It's really amazing how often counter spell is like even in the mid game is like the you play a spell and you're holding counter spell for like like turns four, five, and six. Yep. Because you can just afford to. Mm-hmm. You can just play two drops for the for the third, fourth, or fifth turn. I would like to point out that I was totally right about counter spell and it definitely needed to be in modern and modern has been better for it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Like it's it's just a better Wizards um, didn't want it in modern for a what's, long uh, time. What did it replace? What's that? The uh, mail leak. Huh? Uh, there was a couple that it replaced. So this would be the one downside is there were a couple other cards that got just flat out replaced yeah. by counterspell. Yeah, Mana Leak's gone. Remand saw some play, and I believe it was Syncopate? Not no, it's not Syncopate. It's something that... There's one of them. It's literally like blue, blue, yeah, you X, delve, delve and, and they pay X. Yeah. It was essentially Counterspell, but the downside was your second one was way worse than your first. Yeah. So, uh, and there were times in the game, like late in the game, if nothing happened, like it it, it could be turned off where, yeah. uh, you know, if they had seven mana and you only had four cards in your... so. But yeah, like counterspell. I, th- I think I think the format is doing wonderful with counterspell. I don't think it's too powerful at all to just go blue blue counterspell. Yeah. Um, other than that, these decks look pretty similar. We have one Snapcaster in the main versus one Brazen Borrower, just to get some extra value out of it, which I'm in love with. I love seeing Snapcaster. That card's so awesome. Like Brazen Borrower, like Brazen Borrower and Snapcaster both just fit that like so flexible. They just solve so many problems in the middle of a game. You know, Snapcaster digs you out of a lot of holes where you can start recurring. You can recur that one really important thing, whereas Brazen Borrower might be able to help push some of that damage through with a cheesy bounce or just a just a three yep. mana and just flash, a better threat. Just a better threat. So yeah. I definitely see kind of fighting. You know, which one, this one or that one on that. But um, other than that, just cut a brick tide and run one of each. <laughs> uh, probably the wrong decision. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> probably the wrong decision. Fifth place. Sorry, fifth place. Fourth place was an Azorius control list. Pretty standard Azorius control, except we do have the Wandering Emperor. This is the card I really am excited to test with in Legacy. I think it could be a really good Jace replacement. And it's not quite it's not quite Jace the Mind Sculptor for sure, but I think it could live in a very similar spot in Legacy where it's a good four mana working towards finishing the game, except it dodges Pyroblast mm-hmm. in a really impactful way because nothing feels worse than even if you resolve Jace and you know you go two turns and they rip a pyro last and it's like one mana that thing's gone Ugh. so wandering emperor four mana planeswalker two white white comes in with three loyalty it has flash and basically as long as it entered the battlefield this turn you can activate its abilities at instant speed so you can play it on your opponent's turn and use its abilities that one turn so it's plus one is put a plus one plus one counter on up to ta- one target creature and it gains first strike until the end of turn so it can be a really good uh, combat trick. Oh yeah, this, this is an amazing combat trick. You can do minus one where you create a 2-2 white samurai with vigilance which is also a great combat trick and you can do minus two and exile target tapped creature and you gain two life. Which is also a very good combat trick. an amazing combat <laughs> trick. Like this, it just does so much and it just does everything I want it to do. So it's great at finishing games where like, especially as, as far as a control deck where I mean, a couple two twos or three threes. You know, you play it on your opponent's turn, make a two two, go to my turn. I have a three three with first strike and and vigilance. Start swinging in, or make my second two two and just go super wide. Having that ability to come in and remove things, especially in legacy, I think is going to be so good. It's very inefficient, but a like fifth source of plowshares. Like, I mean, if you're if you oh, yeah. if you got your merit lage, a wandering emperor. Exile. Well, you know what it is. This is the same thing with Solitude that I was talking about when Solitude came yep. out. It's a 
swords to plowshares that, does other that wins the game. Yeah, <laughs> like that. I I think this has real. I think this has legs in the um, in the Azorius or Jeskai legacy decks, and it obviously has legs in the Azorius control decks in modern. Well, and it's it, it's a perfect example of like you would run this in certain metagames in legacy. Yeah, there's going to be some that don't, mm-hmm. and there's going to be some that do, and this is just one of the. Like, it absolutely, in my opinion, goes on the list of cards. Like, if you have a, like, basically the blue-white X shell for control, you should probably have 20 or 30 cards as one or two ofs that mm-hmm. you just kind of, like, w- you adapt to the meta. Because that's what a controlled list, that's what controlled lists do. Yep. As they try to predict the meta for their current event, or the, the event they're going to play in, and try to beat that. And this is definitely an effective tool for that. Yeah, it is. And basically, it's like we just took, we literally took out one Teferi here of Dominaria. One, we took out one Five Fairy for the Wandering Emperor, which is a really good idea. Like it lowers your curve a little bit, gives you access to some more early game plays and early game inter- uh, disruption. Yep. And while I'm sure it's not a big deal, given you've got 24 lands, fetches, and chocks, the double white as opposed to a blue white is a little like mm-hmm. there. It's not a one to one trade where it's just like you know yep. you got to yeah, watch double, out for that. Yeah, white white is harder. Yeah. Um, you got three three Teferi, the three Fairy. You've got Two Teferi here of Dominaria, uh, three fairies, Teferi Time Raveler, yeah. and one Wandering Emperor. Uh, and the main board, the only thing is I see changing these very often is usually your card advantage engines. And so, like, this is running three Think Twice. Yeah, boy. And only one Memory Deluge. I personally disagree with that. I think Memory Deluge is better than Think Twice, but what do I know? Well, Think Twice is a little quicker. So you kind of want to, it makes sense if you're going to be trying again if you're trying to pivot towards a faster metagame think twice digs you deeper quicker i mean i i i I think they're hard to compare exactly because think twice is two mana to draw a card versus four mana to look four deep for two right but But like what i mean is like you like memory deluge is a it's stuck in your hand so until turn four it does nothing yeah and then b the uh holding up four mana and be again, I know it's an instant, but like it's harder. It's harder yeah, to this, not commit. This lets you think twice into counterspell. Right. Or so there's again, think that's, twice. that's the beauty of think twice. And I think it's very much an underrated card. Um, if you haven't played with it, it's it's deceptively good. Because mm-hmm. like how many cards do we run that are kind of mediocre, but they effectively cycle? Yeah. Well, think twice effectively cycles and then draws you another card too. That's its, it's yeah, mediocre it cycles option. Again. Yep. So okay. it's just it's an underrated card. I'm not going to say Think Twice is amazing or anything like that. But I just, I, it, it, I'm hard to see it being better than Memory Deluge because it's just so good. It's just different than Memory Deluge. But it is just different. Yep. Yep. And you get some Archmage's Charm that are also really good at getting some card advantage in there. Three mana to draw two is not terrible. Especially yep. with the flexibility of countering or stealing a Ragavan. Yeah, I mean, memory Deluge, in my opinion, is in there because you resolve it and you win the game. When, the, when you resolve uh, the back half, for sure. Correct. Think Twice is in there to help. It's just... it's definitely not a ponder or a brainstorm but it's closer to the ponder brainstorm side than it is to the memory deluge side That's fair. where it's just you're trying to sculpt a hand and like yeah. dig through cards it, get some velocity it, it going does, it does really excel it, it does really increase your um double spelling yeah the number of turns you double spell and like so if we're if we're lowering the curve pulling out a couple four drops for a couple two drops is definitely yep. gonna lower your curve but i agree with you memory deluge is certainly the stronger yeah. spell when it resolves that card's bonkers and i'm I love that it exists because the uh, I was playing both of the Delve spells when they got banned in Modern. <laughs> I think I think most people were. <laughs> I think if you look at the meta, and it share. makes perfect sense because those cards were ridiculous. It was actually so. Um, just a little side note: one of the things that happens this is what you always have to consider when new cards come out. As people were 
At the time, Blue Red Delver decks were running Snapcaster Mage, and people were arguing whether or not Treasure Cruise was going to be good because it makes your Snapcasters worse. And that is something you want to consider, but what the people who were making that argument didn't consider is you just take out Snapcaster Mage for Ancestral Recall. Yeah. Now, it, just looking at it, this the seven in front of that one blue seems like a big hurdle. But when you take in everything into account, it's really not that bad. And then it's just like, yeah, we're just not going to run Snapcaster yep. Mage. So that's... Turns out it's just better. Yeah. Avoiding the Nambo, it's just better just to have the yeah, new one I'd than the old one. I'd rather just have the new one than yep. the old one. <laughs> if that means I got to cut Snapcaster to have Ancestor Recall, then that's what we're doing. Yep. So. Fifth place, Yorion, 80 card, four color blink. It's so hard to say this is like, oh, this is a normal blink list because it's like they're so different because they're so full of one ofs, but it's also the same. This one does have a containment priest in the main, which is kind of new. Yep. That's not very common. We do have it split up. We've got two wall of omens and one wall of blossoms, but still three ETB draw card walls. Uh, you got an endurance. You still have the eternal witness and ephemerate package, but we like this deck really kind of settled into that trim down to two ephemerates. And I really hope that this person knows to not fall into the trap of, of Dirtle. Dirtle, Dirtle, Dirtle. Oh, no, I've lost. Yep. But four Omnath, two Season Pyromancer, two Fury, one Obsidian Charmaw, four Solitude. Uh, full set of eight Planeswalkers, uh, Ren and Six, with, and then the three Fairy. The uh, March of Otherworldly Light is making an appearance in the main board here, and I'm interested to, to, I'd be interested to talk to this pilot about how the card felt. Mm-hmm. It's a one of an 80-card deck, and I mean, I... I fully believe you could you could register a terrible card in your eighty card deck and still top oh, eight a challenge. Yeah. Um, other March of Otherworldly Light X and White Instant as an additional cost of this spell, you may exile any number of white cards from your hand. This spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled that way. Exile target artifact, creature, or enchantment with mana value X or less. So this got compared a lot to Prismatic Ending being better or worse. It's very similar and very different. So the upgrades is definitely that it's one an instant and two it is not tied to converge or the yep. or the the needed colors of mana. Correct. Downside is you are always going negative on mana. So um prismatic ending is always even on mana unless you're doing like a chalice to get around chalice. Yeah. But like it's always even. It's three colors for a 3 CMC. It's two mana for two mana, one mana for one mana. You are always going to be losing a mana at least with this. Now, anything beyond like a two mana spell, I don't think that matters as much. Like if you start spending three mana to answer their two mana, that's kind of rough. But then four mana for their three mana, that's kind of okay. Like yep. like now we've meet we now that we're getting out of sorry the farther we get out of fatal push territory, I think the more okay it is to kind of be a little on the wrong side of the mana, mm-hmm. especially the being an instant and the ability to basically pitch white cards from your hand to cheat that cost in an emergency in an yeah. emergency is pretty powerful being able to you know go two mana pitch my we'll say solitude that wasn't going to answer this threat anyway and now we've got a form uh, we can remove up to three yeah i mean it effectively kind of turns your solitudes into like there's an interesting play there yeah it's more like there, well there, i can use i can i can lose two cards and i'm getting rid of enchantments there, as opposed there is to creatures. a point of convergence yep where like these 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 meet and it, it's interesting just like the other one you had mentioned earlier, another just another slight added benefit to companion. You can, in theory, if Yorion's just sitting in your hand, yep. pitch it to this. Absolutely, it's a three mana. Happens all the time. I mean, it's literally why the control decks one run Kahira. Yeah, because it's there are times you cast Kahira and it's a creature, but more often it's three mana 
draw a white card. Yep. And that's a lot of times Yorion is three mana draw a white card. A lot of these cards are great if you can flicker them. If you can bounce Wall of Blossoms and uh, Eternal Witness and Omnath, you're probably winning anyway. But you've done it. You've done the thing. Way more often, though, it's, you know, turn four and you just, uh, I'm just going to draw my Omnath or I'm going to draw my Yorion yeah. and Solitude your thing. Yep. I'm going to Solitude your big hammer. Um, beyond that, the deck looks pretty stock. Lightning Bolts, Eldomri's Call, Expressive Iteration, Utopia Sprawl. But I, I would be interested to talk to him on how that card felt in play. And it's one of those things where we can just watch in the next two to three weeks. That will either stay one, go up, or disappear. I think, so. like, just looking at it, I think having it as a one or two of in modern makes a lot of sense. Like, if you look at, like, what control decks do in Legacy, they frequently want between six and eight uh, removal spells. And this is basically, again, with a slight tweak, prismatic endings five and six. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I mean, well, it's only think five. About there's it, only one. Oh, I know, but like, like going forward, I see what you mean. Yeah, you having one or two of them to to be that those five and yeah. six, so you're just getting that a little. And if you think about it, what I was gonna say, how often would you pay one more mana for prismatic ending to be an instant? Yeah, that's a very good point. It's there. Uh, yeah, it's the in like this card was really hard to evaluate. A lot of people wrote it off right away, and I don't think it gets written off right away. This is this is a very hard comparison to truly like understand the difference between a converge style sorcery and a instant that is mana negative but you can also pitch cards in a pinch like yeah the it's just, it's very hard to compare and i'm really happy to see some people are playing it the the thing that i'm curious about is like in this particular list it being an instant doesn't seem like it would matter as much because most of the time you're not holding your mana up because mm-hmm. that's why swords is so good not the only reason One but like them. being able to hold up mana for permission spells and then Yep. You know, swords and instant speed. That's one of prismatic endings. Big downside is yeah. committing mana in your main phase. Again, in legacy, you've got uh, force of will. Yep. But like that blue white control list we were talking about. I'd earlier. be eager to see this in a blue white control list. Right. That's that to me seems like you could take the thing twice out. <laughs> you could. Yeah. Maybe not. We'll see. Well, it's funny. Like, I'd love to play with that. I would love to try that. I can't afford to. I, I would again. I would need two rental plans. To be able to afford to play this deck. I oh, Sorry, I would need two rental plans and, oh, I'm looking at the price. I'm dumb, ignore that. I still can't rent it, but it's still 550 tickets. I'm still 100 tickets short. Gotcha. I'm like 480 tickets. So, I'm sorry. I don't need to. This is $1,000 on table. It's 560 tickets, but I can only rent like 490 or 500 tickets. I still can't rent this deck. Not as bad as I was implying. Sixth place, Demir Control. You should like this a lot more, Jake. There's only 300 tickets because I can got, actually play it. It's got no think twice in three memory deluge. Hey, there you go. And then, well, unfortunately, he didn't do as good though. But he's, but uh, you know, it's that's what you get when you don't I mean, run white. I understand. You know, there is a difference between fourth and sixth, but top eighting a modern challenge is yeah. good enough. I think we talked about like once you get to the top eight, you're in the realm of variance. Like I, the reason we go to the top eight so aggressively is like every one of these top eight decks could have won the challenge easily if they'd gotten one better draw, one worse draw. Or I mean, if one winning gut, the die roll. Yeah, a die roll or a gut call like th- these pilots made oh. uh, made gut calls and they just made the wrong one. I don't know. I've never top eight a challenge on MTGO. Um, I'd be curious if so the the tournaments I've played in, the person in the top eight with the higher seed gets to choose player draw. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know if that's Yeah, I don't, I don't do challenges enough challenge. to... I've, I've never top eight a challenge either, so yeah. maybe maybe not. But still, there's there's so much variance in Magic that anyone who made the top eight, that deck 100% could have won within absolute reason. Yep. So, Demir Control, four Snapcaster Mage in the main to get the most value out of our controlling 
blood chief thirsts and fatal pushes and thought seas or inquisitions our drown in the locks and then you can uh, get some sweet card advantage through your considers your cling to dust which is just a nice like double where it's like hey nice graveyard hate and um both early game and late game card advantage because it does have four and escape which is like a lot but if you're not doing anything pretty easy to come up with four mana and just draw a card mm -hmm. and then counterspell Brown the Lock also is a great counterspell. Archmage's Tarm, Cryptic Command, and then those three memory deluges that I think are just pretty sweet. So the funny Especially thing in a list like this. Like the funny thing almost... about this deck, and we've seen this before. This is not the first time we've seen this uh, this Demir Control style list. Dude has four Snapcaster Mages. Yep, and he's got a... And uh, the... two Hall the Storm Giants. Yep. Dude has four Snappies and two Hall the Storm Giants. Well, this used to be effectively... I mean, they're not one to one, and it's definitely not the same colors. But that used to be what the like when Derek was playing a lot of uh, Jeskai control. That's how the lists look. Went through manlands. Yeah, they basically would win through like Celestial yep. Colonnade. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And just in case, Hall the Storm Giants is a it's a manland comes into play tapped unless you have two. Sorry, so if you have less than three lands, it comes in untapped. If it comes in late in the game, so once you have your third land, or if this is your third land, it comes into play tapped. But you can pay six, and until the end of turn, it becomes a seven-seven blue giant with ward three. Good enough. It's it ends games quickly. Yes, it does. It's it's pretty hard, and just that ward three. It's like ward three late in the game isn't as big a hurdle as people think. Like especially in modern, yeah, you can get around ward three pretty easily. But well, I mean, by the time you're tapping effectively seven mana exactly. for this now it does make it, it what it does do is it makes it very hard for your opponent to cast a spell and kill your hall of yeah. storm giants though and that's presumably very true. you'll have counter spell dragon unlock archmage yep. charge yeah. cryptic you get, commands you get late enough in the game and you can protect it yeah i mean that's the whole point of the deck yep. is but yeah you know, it's, it's those types of things worry me you're putting all your eggs in in uh, very few baskets very few baskets <laughs> you've got two baskets yeah basically <laughs> but still pretty cool and an emrakul the Endstorm, just in case they try to mill you that's, out uh, so aspiring spike the guy i watch on uh youtube a lot it's been pretty stock in all his lists you see a emrakul just because it's the best uh mill hate in the format and it costs almost nothing is there is there a cheaper one that does the same effect there's a couple um so i think are, some of the other titans cost like uh, 10 or 11 yeah i think Kozilek. does Kozilek shuffle i don't remember which one ones? of them is i think one of them does one of them costs like 11 and it shuffles but it's actually funny uh, spike just talked about this with somebody where it's like you would never cast it the only matchup you'll ever bring it in you would never cast it so there's no point and it being 15 makes it better against tasha's hideous laughter gotcha having the extra four cmc or whatever yep because he talked about it because like you could bring it you could run the cheaper one and have a well, better like, chance especially of casting it. in this deck yeah maybe like, if you're talking like if you're talking about getting seven effectively for hall of the storm giants mm -hmm. Getting to 11 isn't, isn't unthinkable. But I think the whole thing is like, you would never bring it in. Yeah. You just, you would never bring in against anything except Mill, and then you would never cast it against Mill. Although I guess maybe if you cast it, then you could counter it yourself. You could cast it and counter it to put it in your graveyard to shuffle your graveyard if you drew it by accident. Well, that's what I mean. Like, because once you draw it, you've drawn it. Yeah, it, you're, it's stuck. You're you're basically stuck with it. Unless you have some sort of like looting effect. So like, yeah. you in... But the big thing is, like you said, the uh, Tasha's hideous laughter. Yep. The additional four there it does is serious. Help. That ma that matters. It does. It does. Because then, if it does get hit, it at least shuts right. that off. Speed this up. Seventh place, hammer time. It's hammer time, except it's blue white hammer time. So I have to talk about it. So we had that Lavinia again. We talked about it, I think, last week or two weeks ago. But that uh, it's a two mana two two, and each opponent can't cast non creature spells with uh, CMC greater than the number of lands they control. 
and if an opponent would cast a spell for basically zero mana, with there's no mana was spent to cast it, they counter it. It counters it, which is pretty sweet. Yep. So I like that card a lot, especially if you're going to be playing. If you're not playing free spells, you sh- it's a really cool card to get to play because it just makes everybody play fair. Yep. And when she's she holds a uh, colossal Hold, hammer, she, and she yeah she holds a sword really well or a hammer. You've got one lion sash because that just kind of makes sense. Like it's just like these artifact style decks or, e- or equipment style mm-hmm. decks. It just makes sense to have that. We are up to two blacksmith skill this time. So they must have, whoever saw it or they've been playing with it, that has gone up. It was one last time. Now it's two. Well, if you look, we've, I think they cut the, uh, again, these aren't, I don't know if they're the same people, but they cut the spell pierces from the list. Mm, that might be. And, and they move those to the side and put the blacksmith. We skills. also have a reality chip. This, this, this card has seen a lot of chatter in the magic community where people just can't decide if this card's busted in half or just terrible. And it's probably somewhere in the middle. And certainly probably the most, uh, the best used in a deck like this. Although, interestingly, I wonder if this is what pulls them into blue-white versus black-white. Because usually you see black-white, so you get things like Thoughtseize and maybe some better removal. Going into blue-white buys you the Reality Chip and Lavinia. Not much else. Spell Pierce on the side. That's basically it. That's basically it. So it's kind of interesting to see them throw the one of Reality Chip to try and get that extra card advantage uh, mid to late game where you can start playing spells from the top of your library. Other than that... Uh, looks pretty much the same. Bobbles, hammers, portable hole, shadow spear, spring leaf drums. In eighth place, Boros Burn. We're on this quickly, but we'll talk about Burn. They'll doing work. We'll talk about Burn a little more in depth here soon. But we got uh, 12 creatures, 4 Goblin Guide, 4 Monastery Mentor, 4 Eidolon. And then we've got 29 Burn spells. <laughs> yeah. We've got 29 to the face Burn spells with Allurus to back them up. Metagame summary, we've got Hammer Time at 19%. So that's hitting that ter- territory where Matt's like a little too high. But Hammer Time's usually up there. Hammer Time's usually between 17 and 21%. Yeah, see, but I think the difference is like we talked there's about a lot of churn. Modern is very different. Yeah, modern like modern and legacy are uncomparable in some capacities. And the like the the breadth of the metagame is is a lot different. I mean, if you look just the even the number of decks on this one, even though there's still a lot of ones and twos, there's still probably seven more decks than the other one, including the other that has, you know, well, this one has one and the other, but like the, the, the list is much longer. Four decks at twelve and a half or uh, twelve and a half percent Merktide decks, and then we've got twelve and a half percent link decks. And then some twos and ones, some burn, some live, some blue living end, and some John. Most played cards: Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, and Unholy Heat. Most played cards: Ragavan, DRC, Esper Sentinel, Sanctivire, and Vec. That's kind of a new one. You don't you don't see that in top five very often. That's some real some real Rakdos graveyard hate. Which case in point, you can see much Grixis in this list. Nope. That's <laughs> and that Sanctor and Vec being prevalent is probably a big. Yeah, contributor. there's one Death Shadow in the top thirty-two. Oh, was that was only one? I didn't even see the one. But yeah, nice. That's I mean, yeah, it, that's a great way to just answer that perfectly. Sanctivire Invec just answers everything that deck wants to do. Yep. And then appears still Paladin in fifth because of course Hammer Time. And then top spells: uh, Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, and Unholy Heat. That's our metagame summary. Of course, we went way longer than we meant to, but what are you gonna do? So I think now we're ready to basically uh, pass the torch on over to Future Cantrip Cartel and their interview with Jordan. So I think we'll see you guys in about one second. Yep. Well, thanks for the ba- uh, the Passover, past Jake. And uh, we've got Jordan in-house with us. And without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to the current uh, SCG top four, Burn uh, Savant, Jordan Barrenhouse. Yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself. Savant's, Savant's a pretty strong word. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm I'm Jordan Barrenhouse. Most of you probably know me from the Legacy Pit. That's, that's where I mostly interact with... Uh, with the magic community um 
I've been playing Burn for oh boy, uh, in modern since Kazutark here release, which to my which jarred me when I realized that that was like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so I've been playing for a while, and I kind of just showed up. I, I locked in my deck two weeks before the event, and I just showed up to SCG Con, uh, mainly there for the Legacy event, and then mm-hmm. ended up top fouring the modern um because i mean i had a lot of experience on burn before so it wasn't like i was new to the deck but i really i really kind of just brought the deck i knew and mm-hmm. it turned out pretty well so i was really surprised to see you in because we were um just reading through the modern results and i was like no freaking way it's jordan Barrenhouse because i knew you guys had went because i'd seen your twitter and i watched you guys kind of kept mm-hmm. track of you guys all day uh but i wasn't expecting you at all to be in the modern event because like of course you're there for legacy but you're also just double dipping and yeah bringing it home that was pretty cool yeah uh yeah i was kind of just uh i was kind of just vibing all day and i'm like well i keep winning so i guess i'll keep playing (laughs) and uh yeah that that's literally how i felt the whole day i was i was pretty sleep deprived didn't sleep much the night prior so i was just like i was just very relaxed and just like you know i'm just gonna keep playing until i lose and then i didn't Mm -hmm. lose so that's that's the way to go into a tournament that's you'll you'll never do better if you unless you take that like laid back approach like as long as you yeah 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 Sometimes if you go in with too too many expectations, you like psych yourself out and you mm-hmm. choke. But like I've noticed, the tournaments that I expect to do the worst at are the ones I do well at normally. So yep, I oh I have no experience of uh, spending a bunch of time prepping for a tournament, taking it way too seriously, <laughs> and scrubbing out 03. Yep, Jake hasn't gotten yeah. to the oh, point yeah. where he vibes. <laughs> yeah, no. or he's just there to play and have fun. He yeah. just he goes there and he's over prepared and yep. Uh, well, I haven't lost my first ten tournaments yet. Yeah, I've only gone to like like four or five actual legit paper tournaments. So I'm still, okay. uh, I'm yeah, still yeah. learning. Once you get into the double digits, that's when you got to concern yourself. You know. Yep. Yep. Well, let's take a look at this uh, Boros Burn list you picked up. So you registered it two weeks early. Was there yep. any meta consideration you put into it, or did you just be like, "Well, I know what to play and burn," and slap this together? So, so it was a list that I've been playing for a while. Um, I. Like I, I went to see if the meta had changed, and I kind of just I had this list, and I looked up, um, you know, MTG top eight, saw a Sandy Dog MTG, which for those of you who don't know, Sandy Dog is a MTGO grinder, very, very capable. Um, also burn player in modern, and their list was the exact seventy five as mine, and I'm like, hmm. well, all right, if if we <laughs> both agree on this, like I hadn't talked to them at all, you know, I, I don't even know them personally. I just like. I know of them, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if we don't talk at all, and we came on the exact same seventy-five, this is probably right, and just sent it. Yep, that—that's the kind of like gratification where it's like, am, am I doing right. the right thing? Yeah. Yep, I am. You can't be too far off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wasn't sure about my list at all, so I was like, well, let's just. I was like, I was like, this list is probably right, you know, but you know, the meta might have changed, so let's mm-hmm. check. Oh, it's the exact same. <laughs> okay, send it. Perfect. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a second thought. As soon as I saw the exact same seventy-five by a good player who knew the meta. I was just like, okay, great. Yeah, hundred percent. I do that a lot. Like, if I'm tinkering around or getting ready for a tournament, like, I what's everyone doing? Are they doing about this? Okay, then I can't be a complete idiot. Yeah, exactly. It's always good to kind of reality you check yourself mm-hmm. against against. I'll I'll always do a MTG top eight search. Yep. Um, before I submit a deck list, just to make sure I'm not completely off. So you showed up out of sleep. Did you get breakfast? <laughs> uh, I had like. A protein bar or two, I think. <laughs> right. so not that's a good not thing. Not that... really. I had coffee because I needed it, but good way to prep for ten hours of magic. 
13, but yeah. 13. Yeah, even better. Oh my gosh. So how'd your day go? So run us through. What was some, you can go through every, you can go through every match. You can go through the highlights. Sure. Uh, I actually just wrote an article that will be eventually going up on the Legacy Pits website. Um, and that is going to be a tournament report. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the quick rundown here. Oop. So, uh, in the Swiss, I went eight, zero and one, uh, you know, respectable record Getting. and, and so round one, I played money pile. That's the, you know, four color, five color, you know, combination of planeswalkers and things that are a billion dollars. That's why it's called money pile. Uh, won that one, two, one. Then I played Grixis shadow, won that two, one. Then I played the mirror, won that two, one. I, I played, I was playing a lot of magic. I almost all my games went to three matches. Mm. Uh, then I played round four. I played four color blank, which was something I was worried about because they got a lot of life gain, but I was able to win that 2-1. Then round five, I played the spiciest deck that I didn't know existed called Red White Crack the Earth. Yeah. And and, and so I asked the person, like, what do you call this deck? Because I thought they made up. I thought they made it up. Like, they were at the 5-0 table, or they were at the 4-0 table with this weird brew. I thought they made it up. And they're like, oh, it's a, it's a list from online. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean it's from online? Like, it, what what's it called? And and he's like, oh, it's a. And someone told me later it's a Manguchi list, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm like, what do you call it? Like Crackdown? Like trying to think of a cool name. He's like, it's just Red White Crack the Earth. And I'm like, all right, it's Red White Crack the Earth, sure. <laughs> yeah. But it basically plays like Red White Pox hmm? is is how it plays. And boy, was that a neat deck. Yep. Um, game three was really close, but I was able to squeak it out there. Then I played round six. I played against Jarvis Yu, which for those oh, nice. who don't know, he's a fellow Marylander. I've played him many times, and he has won most of the time. Main the a large I'm gonna say a large majority of the reason, but also he's better than me. But a large majority of the reason I think is that uh, he plays lands in Legacy, and I play Delver. Yeah. Um, so that that's pretty good for him. And then before that, he played lands, and I played Burn, which is also decent for him because um, they just kill you on turn three with a 2020 yeah um anyway so he was on Grixis shadow i'm like oh yeah finally a favorable matchup and he thinks the matchup's favorable for him and i think it's for me so uh that was a very fun game um they were they were all pretty close games um but i i was able to win that 2-1 round seven i played against jund shadow which jund is a little scarier than grixis because they have goifs which are unboltable which means they have more threats um like more real threats mm-hmm. that I have to worry about, but I was able to. I I won that one two zero, and then my round eight opponent, who actually ended up winning the whole tournament. Um. Uh. We thought we could chop. We thought we could ID. The problem is there were three undefeated players, not four and not two. So we could ID, but then the next person we played would have to play out. Like if if someone got the pair down, they'd have to play out because they couldn't go exo. They because their opponent wouldn't want to draw. And ID is they wouldn't that's, in, that's intentional draw. Yes, okay. yes, ID intentional draw. Yep, and uh, so we had to play it out. I was able to win both games. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I got lucky there. My opponent didn't have Omnath. None of none of my opponents had. Um, one of them had Omnath, but it was like too late or too early, I guess, because they just played it on turn four and then I killed them. Um, but overall, none of my opponents had Omnath, which is like the reason I did well. I think because that card is very good. Yeah. against burn and then round nine uh i played against merc tide but that was an intentional draw into top eight gotcha gotcha oh, uh, so going into the semifinals oh sorry I was what saying, was that? Uh, perfect record that's yeah it's pretty awesome to finish the day out yeah yeah you, honestly at this tournament like it was either like x x1 or x01 
I don't think any X one and ones made it. Maybe like one or two. So like you kind of had to be perfect, right? Um, or damn near close. Uh, which is the problem with four hundred player tournaments cutting to top eight. But whatever. There's that's there's no ro- no room for scrubs. Yep. That's that's magic. Yeah, well, not only is there no room for scrubs, but you have to get lucky. Like so, no one no one tops eight these large events on skill alone. If anyone's like, yeah, I'm so good, that's why I always top eight. It's like no, you you don't top eight a four hundred player event consistently unless you get a little lucky. Like yes, being good does matter. But you need to get lucky. If you're top eighting like, you know, 50 person 1Ks consistently, yeah, you can just be good and get there, right? Because you can go 3, 1, 1 and get in, right? You know, um, or something like that. Um, so, uh, but but I, I'd say to, to top eight a 400 player event, you have to be lucky. And anyone else who's saying like, oh, I didn't get lucky. I just played great is, is lying yeah. to you. Right. Um, well, you've got three, you got 400 other people there that are also probably very good at magic. Yep. Like, yeah, you, you have, you have 400 people there. A good chunk of them are going to be good at magic. Like you gotta, you definitely, being good is not enough. Yeah. Um. But anyway, in the, in the top eight, I played uh, Grixis Shadow. There was, you'll, you'll notice a theme. There was a lot of shadow, which is one of the reasons why I think I top eighted. Um, uh, and so I played Grixis Shadow two, one, I won two one. Uh, game three was very close, um, but I was able to use a deflecting palm as a lightning helix, which is always <laughs> nice. sweet. Sometimes, sometimes deflecting palm is just good enough. So like they they it was a really cool play because they weren't attacking with their death shadow because they knew I had a palm. So I was just waiting and getting and just getting them down to three, and I got them down to three, and then they had to attack me with a DRC with delirium, oh. and I deflecting palmed it for lethal. <laughs> well done. So that was that was great. Uh, and then my my round my my uh, my vengeance ended was uh, my my round was quenched by um, my run was quenched I should say by living end uh, that is my worst matchup in the entire format um, it was bad before they got the uh, elementals now it's just unwinnable like actually probably ninety five percent in their favor um, so I got O two curb stomped no, nothing to that so. Yeah, that's how my tournament went. I was I was very happy either way. Like as soon as I as soon as I top eight, I was like, I don't care what happens. I could lose the first round. I don't care. Which is how most players feel. I feel you know, like as soon as you make it into top eight, that's what really matters. So yep. I think Matt and I have talked about before. We're like because we every week we do a meta recap of what the like challenges or tournaments have been, and we always run through the top eight because like our opinion is any deck that made it to the top eight like could easily have won like we're very much in the realm of variance where if you top aided your deck could have just absolutely been powerful enough to win the day because it's just oh yeah it's so hard to get there yeah yeah especially for these 400 player events or whatever like i'd go down to top 32 like That's all those decks are very viable um unless you know i mean of course someone gets lucky and sometimes someone squeaks in with a with a deck that's not exactly up to snuff and you know you it's definitely a your mileage may vary deck mm-hmm. um but but overall, like if if you're sitting at the X and two table in a nine round event, like you you did well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't do them that bad. Yep. Right. Exactly. So playing so much Shadow, and it was really interesting. You said Jarvis, you thought it's in his favor. Like that just feels like yes. a buy to me because Shadow is just starts the game at what so, six life. Uh, so the reason why Jarvis thinks it's a good matchup is because most Burn players do not they they take Burn as just a flat out aggro deck. Um, in which that they just try and race Death Shadow, which if you try and race Death Shadow as Burn, you will lose. Um, because you'll get them down to like you'll get them down to like six very quick, and then they'll kill you with a Death Shadow on turn three or four. Right? They'll just attack you with these giant monstrosities you can't um 
deal with. However, if you let them deal all the damage to themselves and just sit there and kill their little creatures, you'll win. Because, like, uh, they'll, they'll just, you know, get a baby shadow, and you'll just wait until... And you'll just let them attack you for, th- for like, four every turn, and then you'll wait, and then you'll just kill them all at once. Gotcha. So... You got, really got uh, to so wait I think out. he thought it, you very you have to be very patient with burn in uh, the shadow matchup. It's very tempting to just oh they're killing themselves. Let me let me help them out, you know. But uh, uh, you really have to wait because that's how they get you. And and I think that's why Jarvis thinks it's a good matchup because I think against a majority of burn players, when someone's as skilled as Jarvis with magic and especially like Delver based strategies. Um, I think it would favor, you know, the more skilled Death Shadow player than the like mediocre burn player. Um, so that's why I think he does think it's favored because I think a lot of the burn players he plays don't doesn't they don't understand the matchup as well as they should. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, it's, as an outsider looking in who I don't play burn or shadow, I look at it and I go, oh well, one player is trying to make his life total five, and one player has uh what twenty eight burn spells. <laughs> But it's yeah. it's obviously more complicated than that at the higher tiers. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely it gets pretty nuanced because um, they can conserve their life total through certain actions and make you waste your cards to do their work for them to get themselves low. So you're just kind of throwing away cards to do work that they would already do have done themselves. So when that happens, you kind of run out of gas and they're at a low life total and then you die. Yeah, makes sense. So you, you kind of got to let them do the work for you, save your cards, and then use them later when it counts. Gotcha. So yeah. after your run, it, it's kind of funny. Um, last week we were talking about it, and I actually... So I ended up finding the list on mtgdex.net, and they listed you the as... The Loris is not main board. Yes, yeah, so I knew that. <laughs> yeah. I knew I knew Loris is not main board. But they have you in first. They, they put you as winning. Yeah, so they have that because I was first seed going into the event. Oh. Uh, so I was 8-0-1 with the best breakers, so I was first seed going into top 8. Gotcha. So they kind of just kept the, the seed of the event there. Because I went... You know, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah. Well, we went crazy last week. That's all I'd seen. And I was like, dude, first place. I was so right. excited to talk about it. And then it was I was listening to the pit on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll make sure and tag like the pit. If you guys, any listeners don't watch the Legacy Pit on Thursdays and Saturdays, it is the best place to watch paper legacy content on Twitch with the best community. Yep. Um, but yeah, I yeah, was, it's it's a fun time. I'm there. I'm there basically every Thursday. Yep. I was uh, watching and I think D said hopped on and he was talking about like your run to the semifinals. And I was like, no, he won. And the chat yep. was like, no, he came in like third no. or fourth. And I was like, oh, yeah. yep, yep, Yeah, I know. So you, I let you down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I let, I let, the, I let the fans <laughs> down. I know. Yeah. Only only third. We, we decided you got third. Only third. You definitely got yeah. third. Um, And uh, only only, third. only top one percentile. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, it's come on, dude. I, I if I'm going to have my friends top eighting tournaments, I, I we're friends, right? We're, we're friends. <laughs> Sure, okay yeah, yeah 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 we're friends uh i need them to win i know i know <laughs> i wanted to bring that trophy home but just couldn't get there i had the literal unwinnable matchup and yeah <laughs> blocking my path and that's just kind of the worst where you, you grind right. all day again yeah. like you said 13 hours of magic and then you sit across from the the deck you know you cannot beat yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it's funny we sat we sat down to prize split and i'm like what are you on and he's like living in and i'm like oh well you know what i'm on and like and i i circled the yes for prize split <laughs> we don't know who circled the no but if my opponent didn't <laughs> circle the no i'd be i'd be shocked yeah i'd be so shocked yep. he's like oh burn okay cool this is a free this is a free like thousand dollars extra oh man <laughs> that's such a yeah so cool thanks <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i i mean like i i did not care at all i'm just like this is variance i'm tired and hungry like 
I top eight it. I don't care about anything else. Like, yeah. I had a good run. My po- every one thing that surprised me because uh, this is not the norm for modern tournaments. Legacy tournaments, everyone you play is nice. Like almost entirely. I very rarely have a salty legacy opponent. Modern can be a little different. There's uh, definitely some salt mines in modern. However, every single person I played was so gracious and so happy to just be playing magic, and it was great. Like. Uh, I think it's just because people are so starved of both human interaction and big magic tournaments that everyone was just happy to be there. Makes sense. It's, I mean, this is, this is other than, uh, what was that channel? Did Channel Fireball have the Vegas event? But whatever yep, it was, I Vegas. I was there too, actually. Yeah. Um, would you top eight? <laughs> no, I, 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 I scrubbed out of the modern real hard <laughs> and then did not play sealed. But yeah, other than the, the Fireball event, this is the, be the second like large, large tournament in two years. So yeah basically and the first yeah, one modern and, for, for modern at least yeah and the first one on that side of the country especially yep yeah for modern the legacy pit open was uh just as big and uh that was legacy and uh just just have we covered that, that. There. yeah we did we were super excited to talk about the legacy pit open we um we had spent matt and i spent many weeks trying to figure out if we could go or not and it just boiled down to like airfare was a little too much it was oh yeah it was yeah gonna, yeah because yeah. we're in the midwest we're in indiana so it was gonna right. be like yep Three or four hundred dollars for round trip tickets, and we're like, I just we couldn't justify a plus eight, a hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe the next one will be two day, and you know you can yeah an eight hundred two day thing, an eight hundred dollar weekend for a one day tournament. Or we it, yep. it was yeah, like yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. fourteen hour drive, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not going is pretty reasonable. I've made the drive out to to Indianapolis, yep. and I would not do it again. So, but we were very excited to talk about it. Yeah, that's the, the for again listeners. The Legacy Pit is such like a crazy great community and it's so big and awesome that travis the guy who owns the pit literally hosts opens now <laughs> it's so cool yep. yep yeah yep exactly so i got it's, oh go ahead no, no no i was done yeah so i got um a question from uh one of our friends uh, or our fans a really good friend of ours uh Derek smith wrote in and he had a couple mm-hmm. questions for you about boros burn and then i actually i had i had a couple too afterwards i got answers so probably uh, <laughs> the first thing Derek wanted to know is you've got five horizon lands in the deck and it was asking like how you felt about the five and whether or not like you wanted to go up or down on that. Did that feel right? Sure. So five, five does feel right. Um, the four ones that are like the four ones that tap for red and white will literally always be in there. Sunbaked Canyon is just insane. It's an untapped source that taps for both. And honestly, over the course of a game, like, you'll end up dealing yourself as much damage to it only as much as like a fetch and shock. So it's not that much different. And uh, you draw you draw cards off them very regularly. Um, and five five feels right. It allows you to keep four landers, which might have been risky keeps uh, in prior iterations before we had these lands. Um, but now, like, if I see four lands and one of them's one of the Horizon lands, I'm just like, okay, this is fine. I'll keep. Gotcha. Just that flexibility because you can always just pitch it for a card. It's, it's basically a redraw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the most important thing in burn is hitting your land drops. Uh, don't don't keep the greedy one landers. I'll give you that free advice. They're not <laughs> worth it. Gotcha, um, gotcha. The the way you win is by having mana. Um, even though you know you only play like what what does my list have? Twenty lands, I think is is what it was. Yep, twenty. Uh, yeah. So you only have twenty lands, but you really need to hit your land drops through turns one to three. Um, and like and then you know any extra lands you can just turn into cards later. So. Uh, with with these lands so so i'd say five is right um i i could consider going up to six but then you're really taxing you know the mana base and uh taking damage when you really don't need to and that's always that's always a liability because there's a lot of decks that can race you so 
Uh, five, five feels right. Gotcha. I would stick to five. The other thing he had uh, one to talk about was the rolling vortex in the sides and how those felt yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, so Rolling Vortex is a card. I pre-ordered them. I pre-ordered foils of them because I'm like, okay, you know, this card's two dollars. There's no way it's going to be two dollars. So I pre-ordered some. Now I have to. Now that it actually has proved itself. So first of all, it has proved itself. I have to go and get the extended arts now. So, um, but it's definitely proved itself. That card overperformed. Um, I was bringing it. I you only really bring it in against like the matchups with ways to gain with good decent ways to gain life and um decent free spells like a good amount of free spells um that's when i'd bring them in um but i'd bring them in even against something like hammer for example like they have enough zero drops that you know if they are stuck with an ornithopter in hand they can't cast along with like a secondary mox opal or whatever like that's a win you know i didn't um, i didn't even think about like hammer time with ornithopters and stuff and mem right like Right, and and just the being able to prevent the light lo- life loss, like the main they, way that they win the game is by gaming gaining like an arbitrarily large amount of life with Shadow Spear. So if you can you can just stop that in its track. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the the card I thought the card would be more worth it for the one damage return, but I was wrong. It, it's the static effect and the ability to just say you can't gain life uh, as long as I have a mana up. Those are worth it by itself. Gotcha. So the so the, the you're, you're saying the one life doesn't even really come into it that much, or is it the fuck? Uh, I mean, okay, so so it matters. Like, obviously, every point matters. It's burn. Um, but I would say that it's the other the other parts of it are not to be overlooked. They're very important and gotcha. very strong. Gotcha. Because that's I kind of whenever I when I saw that card starting to make a uh, appearance in burn decks and when it got spoiled, that was my thought. Was just like a just a two mana every turn, like a little like lava dart or a little ping every turn. I thought would be like the like the the key of yeah. it. So the thing is, Eidolon just does it better, right? Um, so it, if it, if that was good enough, they'd be mainboard. Um, but they're sideboard because it's not really good enough, and you mainly want to play it for that last line of text. Your opponents can't gain yeah. life this turn. Yep, because I mean, um, life gain just sco- you, you scoop to any amount of life gain almost, don't you? Uh four four life you can beat, eight life you can't is generally gotcha. how I feel about it. It also just depends, like if they're gaining life but aren't putting any pressure on you, that's just like they bought themselves some turns, right? Um, but if they're not advancing their board state, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yes, generally life gain is how we lose. Mo- like most of the time when we lose, it's because we were either out comboed, out raced, or out life gained. Gotcha. So yeah, the 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 last line of text there is very important, and the free spells thing, especially with like cards like Ephemerate, uh, is very relevant. The hit Ephemerate. So yeah, rebound? on the rebound. Oh, duh. Yeah, because you, ca- you cast it for free. Cast it for free from exile. Yep. So that's that's yep, all they your... can. So they they can choose not to cast it, but you know if they're doing it once, not twice, I'm happy. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, and well, once you start shutting off the rebound on the ephemerate, that card gets so much. Yeah, yeah. That card is 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 a is a ghostly flicker. Yep. Exactly. With, without the flashback, I'm okay with that. Yep. The last question Derek had, um, were there any cards that you would consider removing from the main for your next event? You know, what what cards were you citing out a lot? So let's talk burn strategy. So you know how in a lot of decks there's so they're in burn, there are cards you often bring out in every matchup. However, they're important to the deck because game one you need to present a linear plan in order to win game one. Winning game one is pretty important for burn. Um, losing game one is, is pretty rough because then they bring in, like, historically, there's not that much life gain sideboards right now, which is why Burn, I think, is well positioned. But historically, um, people would then bring in their life gain post board, so you really need to win game one. So the cards I take out most frequently are probably Skewer the Critics, Rift Bolt, and Lava Spike. 
and goblin guide actually if they have a lot of creatures um so lava spike used to come out all the time but now i've kind of i've noticed uh lava spike just being one mana three damage uh can really help you um get the game over quick here with the critics is probably the card i cut a decent amount of time uh just because it's it's very conditional um you do need a pair a card to pair with it essentially and then rift bolt is a little slow um lightning helix i'll take out if they're not trying to race me um just because it's two mana instead of one uh so there there are cards that i take out more like for example eidolon the only time i ever take that card out is like in the mirror on the draw like on the play it still stays in swift spear never boards out right like there's there's some cards boros charm never boards out there's cards that never get boarded out um but um the cards that you board out like frequently like skewer the critics um are they're still there for a reason right you still need them to have a combo finish so i wouldn't really consider moving moving them out and not playing them um in favor of more like more versatile main board and you know an even more versatile sideboard i just don't think uh that because of burden strategy of winning game one uh is so is so vital you kind of need that very linear aggressive strategy for the first game Yep. So, so the, the, it seems like the deck still feels pretty locked to you. Like you came into this getting a lot of gratification from your, uh, from the grinders being like, this is what it should be, and you you agree with that after yep. this this four hundred person tournament. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I have one small change for the list, and that's um minus one mountain plus one sacred foundry. That's the only change I'd make. Uh, because there was there were times where I wanted to have four like have four white sources so I could play Luris, get back core firewalker. Oh, um, ooh, that makes sense. And also with Beseju coming out, uh, I'm afraid of them hitting my um, green sources or hitting my white sources. And you can get a Sacred Foundry with Beseju. So yep, because it's any land type. It's basic land type exactly. Yeah. So uh, so that's the reason I, I'm changing that. And also like the reason we played Three Mountain was for Field of Ruin and Path of Exile, which Field of Ruin is still a thing. Path Path of Exile is less of a thing now that uh, Prismatic Ending is a thing. So there's very few paths right now. So uh, you can go down to two mountains pretty safely. Trimming, trimming on the basics isn't that isn't as big of a cost anymore. Yeah, not really. Gotcha. Now I had one question. This is, I, I kind of yes. I kind of thought of it as we were talking, but sure. um, I was talking to my wife the other night about because uh, I play in modern. I play reanimator. I have a a uh, Esper reanimator list, and I'm just getting in a twiddle storm. So I was talking about uh, modern a lot to my wife, and she said, uh, "What deck should I play in modern?" And I was like, "What do you like to do?" And she's like, "I like beating face." I was like, you should check out Boros Burn. And so we started looking at the list, yeah. and she's really excited to check out Boros Burn. And so, yep. with it, especially with it being like a five-ish hundred-dollar deck, it's a great introduction deck to the format. It is, yep. So, like, if you were talking to someone, like if I made my wife listen to this, what were some like some advice you'd give to someone who's like brand new to modern and brand new to Boros Burn? All right, are they brand new to Magic or just brand new to modern? No, she plays Legacy with us. Oh, okay. So, so she's a Legacy player. Yes, in ex- she's a newish legacy player, but she plays okay. like Hogak and well, stuff. Okay, so to the to the newer Magic player, I would say you know real basics. Um, play your creatures first, uh, then follow up with the with the ones that then follow up with the burn spells that don't target creatures. You want to save the you want to save the least conditional ones for later. So so the last spell you cast most of the time should be your lightning bolt. Um or and and then you want to save your instance. And honestly, a big one that a lot of burn players don't do that they need to do: play your instance as instance. Just p- don't be afraid. Pass turn with two mana up. Even if they're tapped out, you want them to be able to. Sp- so like the only thing that I would do is um 
if they're tapped out and they're like at three, sure, cast it at main yep. main phase. But then they'll still force a negation you. So like, I don't know. Um, but that that's that's a big advice is cast your instance as instance and also be patient with burn. Um, don't don't rush through. Don't just play things out on curve. Think about your plays. Uh, a lot of burn players just they're like, I'm an aggro deck, vroom, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll lose a lot of games that they really shouldn't because of that. Yep, that I get that a lot. So instance or instance, use them at instant speed, and let yep. it's a, it's such a it's such a crazy thing because I came from Legacy to Modern and like right, it, it's a play pattern I, did, I never thought of until I started playing a lot in Modern that you can yeah. just play around force negation by playing stuff on their turn because it's on their upkeep. Yeah, yeah, you can you can get around a lot of stuff just by doing it on upkeep because in Legacy, yep. usually you're playing around force of will, and it's kind. I mean, usually it's better to play at instant speed versus sorcery speed, but it, the the difference yep. is is a lot smaller. Whereas in modern, you can play around a very powerful counterspell just by being like, "Oh, on your upkeep." Yeah, or you just like just pass turn and wait, wait for their wait for their end step. Unless they're on like a very low amount of cards in hand, like the odds of them having a counterspell doesn't drastically increase when they draw their one card, right? Gotcha. Um. So. And then that patience, yeah. just just wait it out. There's no reason to rush. Um. Yes and no. Uh. It depends on the matchup, obviously. Uh. I'm actually. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> it's. So it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. I've written, I've written, I've written. Uh, there's, there's going to be an article going up soon um, that I wrote um, that goes deep into this topic. So uh, have her, have her read that when that comes sure. out. And I'll, um, I'll make sure and get it. It, it should be coming out soon. I'll get I'll, it. Up. I'll, I'll, I'll be tweeting about it. I so. will get. Uh, I'll get your SCG report and uh, uh, linked in the comments. And then when that, when that comes out, whatever episode is the next episode, I'll make sure and get it linked in as well, so people can get access to it. Great. Great. Yeah. Uh, so I talk about the the concept of being patient a lot in that in that article. Um, but you know, you have to know. It, it goes back to the who's the beatdown, right? You have mm-hmm. to know who's the beatdown. Yep. Um, and that that's that's what I talk about in the article. So I'll save that and make people actually read my article. That's a good. That's a perfect teaser. Yep. Can't, you yeah. can't you can't just give it away all for free. Exactly. Well, it was there. So that that was uh, that was our listener questions. That was my question. Um, Matt, was there anything you wanted to ask Jordan? Uh, there was about one. The I believe this card wasn't legal when um, your tournament, when you played in that tournament. The new channel lands. Do you think the red one has a place in burn, replacing just nope. one of your mountains? <laughs> nope. Okay, that was easy. I'd rather, I'd rather have a mountain. Like, if someone does Path of Exile or Field of Ruin, I'd rather get that land. I'm never channeling that thing. Gotcha. I'd rather add Luris, right? Like, and that was the. Uh... There's just so many things to do with my mana. I'll add Luris. I'll crack a Horizon Land. I will never channel that thing. Gotcha. Fair was, that was like four mana to make two one ones. Yeah, it's four mana to yeah, make two one ones. Yeah, it's not good. Gotcha. Okay. I'm disappointed by it, but <laughs> yes, it's not good. Is... I was hoping. I saw some burn players playing Den of the Bugbear. Don't play that either. Just don't. Yeah. You're really? never gonna. You're never gonna spend five mana to do that. Why would you spend five mana when you can add Luris? Yeah, I guess that's true. Or crack a Horizon Land. Like, if you're flooding that bad and your Luris already was played in dead, like, you're probably losing that game anyway. Yeah, the Den of the Bugbear is not going to help you. Gotcha. Well, was there anything else you wanted to, like, just, like, freeform cover or talk about that was interesting about the deck or the tournament? Oh, geez. Uh, It's all you, man. You can do whatever you want. Oh no! Don't tell me that. Well, you said you you said you went there to play in Legacy. How did you do in Legacy? Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Legacy. Uh, I went. So I, I. Went one, so I won my first one, and then lost my second one to a um, questionably skilled, let's put it, uh, Delver player. It was the mirror, and um, I definitely felt like I was the more skilled player in the matchup, and I lost pretty badly due to I, I, I was running very unlucky, which makes up made up for the day prior. So then I went uh, 
to the casino after uh, my loss and <laughs> sat at the sat at the video poker bar, had had a drink or two, and then went back back down. And I'm like, all right, if I lose the next one, I'm dropping. Uh, I I lost the next one, so I dropped, and then I went upstairs and lost two hundred dollars in the casino. <laughs> uh, Just an all around great day. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fine. You know, whatever. Well, you win some, you lose some. It was the fastest I've lost in craps ever. So you know, like you said, you gotta be lucky to win these tournaments, yep. and you were you on Saturday. And I was not. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, and I was on Saturday and not on Sunday. And and you know, the thing is, is, is not getting tilted about it, right? Like, yep. Like recognizing that you got unlucky, I think, is very important. And a lot of people, you know, will use. So a lot of people will use. Oh, I just got unlucky as a cop out when like they actually misplayed. But like once you get to a certain level of good and you know that you played well, right? Um, you you do have to accept like if you're upset every time you do poorly, you will not have fun playing Magic. Yeah, you will you will not top eight way more than you will ever top eight. Yep. Unless you're like unless you're just like Matt Vuk or whatever. Um. So I I would just say that you know knowing when you lost a variance is very important. Yeah. And accepting it and letting go of it. Is, as, is very very good for mental health as a relatively new magic player like i've, I've been playing magic like in a serious sense for like four years that is definitely the mm-hmm. hardest thing for me to like come to terms with is just the like like yeah you just your deck beats you sometimes and that that's part magic of magic happens. yeah magic yep. happens yep that's yeah the, whenever whenever someone gives me a bad beat story i'm just like you got magic whatever like yeah sure yep. Yep, it is the hardest thing for me to because it's like so many things in life, like when I play like Call of Duty or like other board games or other video games, just like it's 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 so much more skill. Like, yeah, like in Call of Duty, I never get a blank. I never I never go to shoot my gun and it jams. But right, right. Exactly. Sometimes your magic deck just jams. And that's hard. It's been hard for me to learn. And that's it's really good advice that people like you got to work on just getting magic. Yep. Yeah, there's a great there's a great quote from uh from data from star trek uh i think it's is it i don't remember if it's data but someone says uh it's impossible to make no mistakes and still lose uh that's it's like that's not failure that's life or that's something like that kobayashi, the kobayashi maru. maru we've actually talked you can play the perfect game of magic and still lose yep right yep. now most yes. people don't play the perfect game of magic in yeah. fact very rarely does it happen but like right. i believe the quote is it is possible to make no mistakes and still fail yeah and yes yes is very true Yes, it is. It is very true, and it's and it has helped me become be a lot happier of a magic player. Which, at the end of the day, like unless you're unless this is what you do, you know, forty hours a week or more, it, it's a game. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's your hobby. You treat it like such. You know, don't you can be a you can be a serious you can be a competitive magic player and also not take it too seriously. Those are those are both very real options. Yeah, I I. That is very wise words from a uh, experienced magic player. Yep. I actually really enjoy losing to better players because, like, that's oh, those I are the most better players. It's the most interesting game of magic you can have. Is like you have the opportunity to, to learn something, to really see mm-hmm. someone better than you, and see how they play and why they do things. Like that's when you get those occasional level up moments in magic where you Absolutely. get outplayed, and you're like, "Holy oh. crap! I've never even seen I've never seen cardboard turn sideways that way." <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. So, so Jarvis actually gave me a small level up play during the tournament where um, I played out my, I, I, I made a misplay and that I didn't even think of. Um, I played my Luris and then I fetched. In response to my fetch, he bolted the Luris. Oh. And I was like, and I was like, oh shit, I didn't think about that. I, I, I told him like, oh man, nice play. 
Like, sweet. Yep. Yep. I'll have to remember that next time, you know, to fetch first and then play Luris. So, um, yeah, just little things like that. Um, and yeah, once I played Reed Duke and uh, I was 6-0 at the time and he was on Jund, I was on Affinity. Already bad matchup. This is back when like mock double was still legal, but already a bad matchup. And, uh, and you know, I made him, I made him tank a few times, which felt good, but like, he made just a series of plays that I was like, my God, like it's, it's when I realized that we were just on a whole nother level, yeah. right? Yep. Like, and, and I love those games where you get to play someone that's just on a whole nother level from you. Yep. Well, like you said, that's when you learn the most. You yeah. Can. Yep. I learned a lot from that. And that's, that's, that's why you should try to really avoid being salty in the first place. Like imagine you get to play Reed Duke and you spend the time pissed off because you're, you're losing. Yeah. I get As you. Opposed- right. Right. Because I went six zero and then into Oh three. Right. Uh, which I've done many times, but anyway, that's a, that's a different story. Uh, but Reed Duke, but yeah, like I, you know, I didn't think, oh man, Reed Duke took me off my six zero to six one. Now I thought, wow, I just got completely outclassed and outmatched. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's turned, see what we can learn from this. It gives you an opportunity, just like as a person, you get to decide whether that's a good memory or not going forward. It was right. where it's like this was a positive experience where I got to play one of the best magic players in the world, or I'm going to get pissed off because I lost and he, you know, basically started my he, you know, quenched my run or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like you get to decide how you want to look at that. Yeah, and and down the road, I don't even care about how I did at that tournament, but I'll remember that uh, that I made Ray Reed Duke go into the tank and then he whooped me. Yep. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, obviously you're giving a run for his money if he actually has, if he has to try. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep. That, that felt good. Pretty sweet. We got some. We got a little bit of time. Did you want to... I, I mentioned before how they had like a really big secret lair drop, and we kind of want to talk about it because it's like everyone's talking about it, and it's kind of... There's some really cool right. art, and you were like, oh, I've got opinions. Yes. You want to you give us I some do. of your opinions on secret lair? In general? Or a little just bit of both. like specific? Uh, okay. Go, yeah, hit both. Okay. So, first things first. Uh, I think secret layers overall are not a good idea. I believe it uh, cuts into the profit margins of the secondary market, which, although, ooh, secondary market evil, but it's not. It's uh, guess who runs your tournaments? It's game stores. So uh, the profit margins of the secondary market are very important to you as a Magic player. Um, So I think they cut into secondary margins. So I don't like when they just sell. Like, I'm glad that they're doing them as sets of drops and they're different arts. There's something special. Because if they just start printing out singles, uh, that will not be good for Magic at all. That will be very, very bad for Magic. Which I think they know, so I think they'll avoid that. Um, so that's that's my first overall thought. Overall, I wish they didn't do them. But if they are going to do them, I think they're doing them the right way of you know making them special fancy arts or whatever. Um, I hate that they're limited drop series because people buy them due to FOMO. And then they're like, you can almost always make money by buying... Uh, these secret layers and then flipping them um it's just guaranteed money i don't yep. do it because i don't want to support the secret layers because i don't like them yep I, we're in the same boat yep um however i do i do agree that um for example the basic lands or whatever sure like the ones where they're just printing cool editions of cheap cards those i'm all for i like i like the ones where they're printing cool editions of cheap cards what i don't want them doing is like is like the fetch lands one right like these are just all the fetch lands with different art you're kind of just selling an expedition lot. Yep. Okay, sure. I kind of hate that, but but they priced it so expensive that it didn't matter. Um, exactly. So, uh, and then my the other thing I hate about them is, uh, so I don't know if you know this. I used to love altars. I still have. I still play with some altars every now and then. 
I play with alters and foils a, a good bit. Um, and uh, there's some alters that I, all my alters, alters are fine, but there's some alters that, you know, judges say aren't allowed because the MTR. The MTR states that it has to look like a magic card, you know, name, <laughs> mana cost have to be have to be there. Have you seen some of these fucking secret layers? Oh, sorry, I'm probably not supposed to curse on nope, here. No, let her rip. <laughs> okay. Have you seen some of them? They do not look like magic cards. No, they don't. At all. The, the, the posters do not look like magic cards. I've had... Me and Ryan Freeberger have hopefully he doesn't mind me uh, calling him out here, but we've had conversation and he's like and he's like yeah the M- his his comments were very reasonable. He's like yeah the MTR needs to be updated, uh, and I agree. <laughs> like if you if you are allowed to play with a poster yeah. that looks that uh, a movie post like literally there's clug alters of movie poster artwork that would not be allowed, but there are now movie poster secret layers inspired by the work clug did. Hmm? that are allowed yep, yep that makes no fucking sense to me yeah yeah we, we all. totally just gone um, the other end where it's like your magic cards have to look like magic cards except for the ones we make yep exactly exactly it's hypocrisy and the mtr needs to be updated i don't mind the magic cards not looking like magic cards that much like it's a card game play your cool edition but let let artists also do that don't restrict it to the ones you buy so that those are my feelings on secret layers all right now we can talk about the more the more recent ones um now that they have said that they will be making regular magic versions of the alternate universe things or whatever they're called universes beyond um, yes i am very i am okay with them i don't care anymore right the the thing i was cared about was them making a second reserve list which they're not so i i don't care about them they're cool people will like them they're going to be reskins eventually so i'm i'm all good with reskins i don't care about those like whatever i don't i used to get my you know i used to get upset and think um think like oh they're ruining the sanctity of my children's card game um but honestly it's it's a card game we literally have rocket launchers already in the game (laughs) we have we we have the most ridiculous things you can imagine already in this game like adding adding ryu from street fighter is not going to be the end of the world yeah it was there definitely was a shift in perspective for me from that point. Now, like in terms of, I was furious when it came when they came out with uh, the Walking Dead, and it's the same thing. It was like, oh, we're just printing uh, those cards are still banned from the Legacy Pit. Good, good. There, uh, we, we we do not play them in the pit, and they, we will not play them in the pit. They were banned. Uh, Matt and I, and we don't play a ton of Matt, but like we decided they're banned from. They're like we banned them from anything Magic we do. Like if we were playing with someone yep. and they pulled out a Rick deck, I'm like, mm, sorry, dude, I don't play with that. I don't play with that, and we're not doing this. Just because, like, yep. I refuse to support a second reserve list, and like the one thing you guys promised you wouldn't do, you're doing it again. Yep. And then, yeah, when Correct. they when they step back on it, I was in the same boat as you, where it's like, well, now it's a lot more okay. I'm right now. Now I don't really care. Like, yeah. like, sure, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of it. I'd prefer if they didn't, but like, they gotta. They they're gonna make their profit how they make their profit. Yep. You know, whatever. Yep. How do you feel about the universes beyond stuff that doesn't get the alternative prints, like the Lord of the okay. Rings set or the Warhammer 40k stuff? I actually talked about this on stream Thursday, but I'll say it again. So I was originally very against it. Then I then I had a nice long think about it, and I was like, okay, D and D is inspired by what Tolkien, Tolkien, right? Like most things are inspired in high fantasy, which magic is inspired by Tolkien. Okay, cool. Uh, then I'm okay with it. I was just like immediately okay with it after that. I'm like, you know, we're we're already basically there. What's what's a few name drops here and there, you know? Okay. Um, for the Warhammer 40k, I was also against that. I'm a huge war. I used to play Warhammer 40k competitively. Love oh, wow. Warhammer 40k. Um, and I was upset by it. And then I'm like, wait a second. We already have like we did this a while ago. There's literally a card named Rocket Launcher. Uh, <laughs> the Phyrexians are basically from 40k already. Uh, 
Same with the Eldrazi. That could like easily be a 40k thing, right? Though I thought about it and I'm like, you know, I don't I don't really care about that either anymore. Um as long as they don't start making like black bordered like my little pony or something that like really doesn't fit in. Yeah. Um as long as they don't go too far off, I'm okay with it. Like even if they made like black border Call of Duty, like I'd be like, okay, that's a little weird, but like fine, I guess. There's guns, there's soldiers, like sure. Yeah. I'd only get there there it would have to at this point I've I've come to the acceptance fact where they would have to push it pretty far. They'd have to jump the shark pretty high in order for me to get too upset about it. I'm definitely a few steps back from you. <laughs> We're like, like it's one of those things. Like, all you can do is kind of be okay. Either you can stop, you can either stop playing Magic or just kind of be okay right. with it. And so, like, obviously, exactly. I'm kind of okay with it. And I've changed my perspective a lot on like what I think Magic should look like, just because you know they've been doing Secret Layers for a couple of years now. We've had we broke a billion dollars this year, more profits than God and country. So like they're obviously Woo-hoo. they're obviously going to keep doing it. And so I kind of had like I had like a real sit down with myself and kind of reevaluated what magic means to me and what I expect the game to look like. And so I had to like talk myself through it to be a lot more okay with these like with Warhammer and these crazy secret layers and these crazy universe beyond stuff. But I'm like I'm working my way there, but I'm not nearly as far along as you are. But you mad? Yeah, I just I'm not even yeah. close. <laughs> Fuck all these products. <laughs> <laughs> like I, this isn't. I was just uh, one question before I go forward. When did what set did you start playing Magic in? I'm just curious. Seventh edition. Seventh. Gotcha. So like my theory, and this obviously doesn't hold true with everyone, but like I imagine most people, if they've been playing Magic long for a long time, they're probably less okay with this the further you go back. Um, again, that's not going to hold true. true. Yeah, like, and it kind of boils down to whether or not you what you think Magic is. And how you look at it is magic just a rule set or is magic like its own kind of thing that's above just the rule set. And they're basically turning magic into just a rule set, which is fine for some people, but that's not how I view magic at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think there's a different thing. Like they're clearly keeping, you know, the extended universes or um, universes beyond separate from the main storyline. Like you're not going to have. Uh, Chandra and Gandalf shaking hands, right? Um, as far as I know. If that happens, I will completely reevaluate my feelings <laughs> on it. But like as long as they don't cross the beams, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, because like the as long as the IP doesn't get like of magic doesn't get tainted, I'm okay with having like these different cards in the game. Honestly, like for the secret layers, I thought I'd hate them because I'd see them everywhere and not be able to recognize any art. I haven't seen them that much, honestly. Like gotcha. like People don't play with them anywhere near as frequently as I thought. I think a lot of them are just collectors yeah, that want them because they look cool. That's I mean, that's I have bought one. I bought the Seb McKinnon Secret Lair because he had just such, such amazing art. And I, the Damnation is so good looking. And I don't think I ever yeah, played with it. Yeah, shame about him. Yeah. <laughs> he paints pictures. He, he paints, he yeah. paints pretty pictures. He continues pictures. to paint pictures. Um, yeah. But I get what you're saying. Like, I... Uh, I, yeah, I had to, I, I kind of, I changed my mindset and like, well, yeah, it's kind of more of a rule set. Like the, just the art of it has to be more wishy-washy because it just is. I agree. Like I do, I also don't see very much secret layer in like in the world, just at random. It's, it's exactly. kind of hidden. Like, I think you're right. People probably just buy them to collect them. I was going to ask. Yep. So are you going to be replacing your lightning bolts with Hadoukens? Uh, no. <laughs> have you seen my lightning bolts? You have the judge foils. Yes. Yeah. I thought, I thought, yeah. Cause you have, you have foil burn and legacy, don't you? Like. Yeah, and yeah, yep. it's beautiful. Yep. You have to. I'll have to hang out with you one night, and I'll get Jordan to play because uh, they'll do whatever we tell them to do on the Legacy Pit. Especially That's me, true. I'm basically like, uh, I'm like a top tier guy on the on the chat. Clearly, yeah, yeah. 
whatever you say, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, when he when he flashes out his burn deck and loses horribly, it looks really good. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't I don't play Burning Legacy anymore. But, just go down know. in style. That's how I feel about Secret Layers. You know, um, it's funny that you say like so. Like I've been playing the game for you know a very long time. You know, multiple decades at this point, two decades now, mm-hmm. and um, it's just I. You know, I I I I used to think that way, and I was like, all right, forty k is really out of line. And then I'm like, I'm like, what if they have like a bolster, a rocket launcher? And then I'm like, wait a second, did a quick search. I'm like, rocket launcher is already a magic card. What the hell? Yeah. All right. So I don't care anymore. My argument to that though is like, <laughs> like so the example like, oh, that one card exists once versus now we're gonna have a whole set of it. That that's a big jump. But like, I don't know if you if you look at some of the old stuff, there's some wonky things. That's like, true. That's very true. People are like people are like back in my day, magic wasn't silly. It's like, bro, you need to you need to reevaluate some yeah. of these cards. Yeah. Like, there's literally asses hanging out on this card. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you've seen menacing, and not and not in the <laughs> right, not in like the fantasy way, like in the haha butts way. Yep, right. Like, like look at the set unhinged that would definitely not be printed nowadays. Like, mm, yep. magic's magic's a game. They've realized it's a game for a while, you know. And they actually, I think, I honestly think the game has gotten more serious over the years. Not over the past three years, but before that, like, I think the the game and the storyline, they got real serious about it. And I think that's why they're having so much backlash with the secret layers. I think if they never got, like, as serious as they originally got with it, I don't think there'd be as much pushback. Makes sense. Like, they, they yeah, if, if they had just been silly the whole time, nobody would care. But now that we've seen legit serious magic, people are like, I want my magic serious. Good point. Then why are we bringing 40k in? That all that is is grim dark. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, it's different strokes for different folks. And as, I mean, I love what, the chaos in 40k. I I love a good fanatic, and like <laughs> they're so entertaining. I didn't play the board yeah, game. I, I played a. I'm ready for my. A, give me my Tau lightning bolts, damn it! <laughs> there you go. What is that? Uh, so the Tau is a. Uh, is a race that is basically space communists, <laughs> and they they use uh, literally their 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 th- motto is for the greater good. Um, and uh, they are very skilled with long range weaponry. So maybe I'll get a railgun that's a lightning bolt. There you go. Yeah, they won't play them, but they'll be cool. <laughs> they can sit in a binder. Well, that's, exactly. So that's. Is there anything else we wanted to cover on SCG Philly or the Secret Layers or anything else before we start wrapping things up? Because we're going a little late tonight. But I mean, hey, who cares that I have a two-hour episode to edit? That's your problem, but oh god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely not my problem. No, nope, there <laughs> isn't. <laughs> You've done your part. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna click the hang up button and be done. Never yep. think about this again. You know. Yep, me too. Forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Matt also just uh, I leave his house and he. He's like, hey, did the episode come out on Thursday? Cool, thanks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> was there anything else you wanted to cover? Any, anything you wanted to bring up? Anything you wanted to shout out? No, I think we're good. I think I did enough rants for tonight. Yeah. Did, did you want to? Did you have any plugs you wanted to dump down, uh, Jordan? Oh, yeah. If you're giving me a chance to plug. Yep. Uh, plug follow away. me at Bear in House, spelled phonetically. B-E-A-R-I-N-H-O-U-S-E. Uh, I stream on Twitch sometimes. I haven't done it for the past few weeks, but uh twitch.tv slash comeback three two three that's my that's my twitch and then of course the legacy pit mm. uh twitch.tv slash the legacy pit uh thursdays and saturdays we're live around six ish and uh i'm there every thursday so come watch come and, hang out and it usually runs until like one in the morning 
it, it runs real late yeah. sometimes. It yeah. runs late enough that the Europe scene gets up and starts watching. That's awesome. That's correct. Yes. yes. We have we have a good amount of Europe viewers that have watched, gone to bed, gotten up in the morning, and why are you guys still streaming? Yep. <laughs> so I'll make sure and I'll go and I'll uh, I'll gather up all the stuff I can for you and I'll get all those links in the in the description for people so they can easily find you. Um, Appreciate you. Every As every episode wraps up, I want to give a big shout out to the Plane Suckers podcast, our mothership show. Check them out, twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's podcast, Monday, Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for their uh, standard-oriented content and their commander-oriented content. Hit up our Discord at discord.plainsoccerspodcast.com. We have a Discord with them. You can hop over to our channel, give us a quick hello, and you can even use that to sign up for some of the Commander Craft stuff they do on Wednesdays. If you want to reach out to us more personally, you can send us an email at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel, and you can join our Facebook group and just Cantrip Cartel on Facebook. Uh, Jordan, it has been a ton of fun having you on. Thank you for coming. Thanks for giving us the rundown. It was we really we really appreciated it. Yeah, it was great to meet you, man. Congratulations on your uh, finish. Thank you, thank you. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, is there anything you guys think I'm forgetting or missing? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, then we will see you guys next week. Have a nice night, guys. <laughs>